Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Liberty looks looks like to me... Liberty looks like a world where we can all express our opinions without fear of being depersoned, deplatformed. We can all exchange in the marketplace of free ideas evenly, right? Liberty to me is not forcing me to do anything. I, I guess smaller government, I would say uh, no lockdowns, no weird mandates. Liberty to me looks like me being able to raise a family, do what I want to do, not worried about people forcing bad ideas on my children, not uh, – making them yeah like grooming them in essence um being able to run my business and not get taxed all the way to the moon mm-hmm. that looks like liberty to me um really but i think the most important thing at this juncture is just being able to speak freely i mean we're censoring ourselves in this conversation yep just be able to speak freely and not be uh yeah and not be deplatformed depersoned or uh called an ist or whatever you know i would say that's liberty to me what is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 146. I've been looking forward to making this happen for quite a while. I got the man himself, Remington James, on. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Absolutely fantastic. So uh, why don't you give my listeners a brief introduction to yourself? I'm sure everybody already knows you, but uh, go ahead, take it away. Yeah, this is the uh, this is always the hardest question to answer because I've been asked this at multiple points on multiple podcasts or any time I'm doing like an interview. And it's, it's so weird explaining yourself and what you do because uh, with what – so in a nutshell, if, and nobody knows what I do, 
my biggest thing would be YouTube. So a lot of people know me from YouTube videos about fitness, about dieting, about meal plans, about recipes, all sorts of stuff. But like when people ask me what I do out in the real world that maybe aren't super in tune with YouTube, it's like, I don't say YouTuber because it doesn't sound like it legitimizes everything yeah. I do. <laughs> so like, I like the term like entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I suppose. But um, yeah, I own a protein bar company called Anabar. We have expanded rapidly in the last two years. It's going, we, sh we should be, Anabar should be in every Trader Joe's nationwide before Thanksgiving, as long as everything hits. But it's going to be right around that time. Um, so like entrepreneurial stuff, content creator, uh, lift weights, you know, fitness, health, hashtag podcast. Yeah. Unless there's anything specific you want me to touch on, but well, uh, no, there's no. lots, I do lots of stuff. Yeah, dude, that's a great introduction, actually. Um, so you're also an entrepreneur, as you kind of mentioned, and I've heard your story told on other podcasts. So it sounded like you kind of, I don't want to say had like a rough childhood growing up, but you were a little bit of a troublemaker, as I think most of us, you know, younger dudes. For sure. For sure. Um, I, if you want to go ahead and lay out some of your story and kind of where you came from, because I remember you mentioned like some rough points kind of along the way. And it seems like, you know, if you look at your background, it looks like you live in a beautiful house now. So it seems like you've come a long way and done really well for yourself. Right, right. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's, my life story is pretty extensive, but I would say uh, I grew up in a small town in Southern Ohio on the border of West Virginia called Logan, Ohio. And, you know, when you grow up in a, I'm not sure if you're from like a small town or, yeah. you know, so like to where like everybody knows everybody, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're, you're dating a girl, she's probably dated five other guys that, you know, really, like, you know, everybody knows everybody, everybody's, yeah. you know, all that stuff. So from a really small town and, uh, you know, growing up, I was, I would say single mom raising three kids and I was like the oldest, but I was also like, you know, I really do think like not having a father in the home all the time is really bad for young men. Yes. <laughs> I really I do believe that. And I think, you know, because my dad was still in my life, but I was seeing him every other weekend. And a lot of it was like, I go there, I lock myself inside, I play video games. You know, I wasn't, my, my dad did good, but not having a full-time father in the home, I think it led to me being more of a troublemaker mm -hmm. and not even really a troublemaker in that, like I was stealing or doing anything crazy. I was just like a class clown. I wanted mm -hmm. to skip school. I didn't want to listen to authority, anything like that. So get through high school. I was always like, you know, I, I would consider myself, I was fairly intelligent, but I never really applied myself. Mm. You know, I, I would sit and I would play, I was like addicted to video games in high school. So it was like, I could sit at one point in time, I was number one in the world at Halo two. Oh my I, God, no shit. Yeah. Swear, swear to God, but I cheated to get there. Okay. So I was good, <laughs> but I cheated to get there. I had uh, two Xboxes, mm -hmm. uh, two copies of Halo two. Well, my brother had an Xbox. We had two copies of Halo two. And back then, if anybody remembers this, this is like, Honestly, I think back to these uh, times very fondly, but like uh, Halo 2 was like the first big online matchmaking game that really yep. came out. Xbox, it like Xbox Live on the map. Yep. And I remember taking my brother's Xbox. He wasn't really playing. I had two Xboxes in my room, two TVs, two copies of Halo 2. I modded one Xbox, had it modded, soft modded. So yeah. the way that worked back then was the downloadable content. It was one of the first times games had downloadable content. So you had the games on the, the maps on the disc for multiplayer. You downloaded a bunch of downloadable content maps. There was a hack. You could hack your Xbox. In the downloadable content maps, you could actually apply mods to. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't cheat against anybody if I was playing on a disc map. But the downloadable content ones, you could. So I had uh, like uh, multiple Xbox Live accounts, a dirty one, and a clean, clean one. So ones I would never cheat on. And then ones I would like go in and just cheat and level them up. And back then, the ranking system was uh, now like if you play Call of Duty, you can just kind of play forever and you always level up. Yeah. Back then, it was like true skill matchmaking. So like 
if you had a level 20, there was all the way up to 50, but there was a point in time where like, if you had a level 20, you were really good. And getting up into those high numbers was really hard to do. And they had these cool little symbols that the higher you got rank wise, you could end up with like a crescent moon and a solar eclipse. And it was next to your profile at all times. So it was like, as a kid, it was like driving the Lamborghini around <laughs> right. online. Cause when that's your life, right? So I did, uh, I was nowhere in the world and head to head. It was a one-on-one matchmaking playlist. And what I would do, I would go in, I would cheat and just destroy people. Like jump to the ceiling in one jump, 360 degree sniper rifle, go through walls, like just crush them. And then I had a firewall called zone alarm. I would turn that on. I could get it to where when I went to both Xboxes into head-to-head matchmaking to match with each other, the fire, the firewall would block any IPs, but my own, and it would force us into matchmaking with each other. So I would take one account clean, level it all the way up, like win off the other account, <laughs> then cheat it back up, then win. And I had at one point, like one account was number one and one account was number six in the world from <laughs> doing that. And uh, it lasted like two weeks and I got banned, but, but that was yeah. a tangent. But I was going to say, I so played a lot of video games, got in a lot of trouble, almost didn't graduate high school, not really so much because of my gra- grades, because I think I just ended up with like a 2.8 or something. But it was more or less, I just wasn't showing up to school. I was skipping school all the time. So I end up uh, graduating. My mom's like, um, I'm going to make you go to college. Well, back then, that's like what you heard, right? You had to go to college yep. to be successful. You had to leave. You had to do all this stuff. But it was like right before I left for college, um, we went on my senior trip with all my buddies and like my best friend died on our senior trip, fell out of the uh, window of our hotel, like 12 stories and died. So that really kind of like fucked me up pretty bad. Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, dude, you're good. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Fucked me up pretty bad. So it was like, that happens. We come back. There was a lot of drama surrounding that with my uh, friend group at the time, because what had happened was we had went down in two separate cars, a bunch of us, right? With the idea that one of our buddies that was going down, he had to like make it back at a certain time to catch a flight to go with his girlfriend on their like family trip. So we planned originally, it was like, I don't know, like, let's say like a Tuesday through Sunday type trip. Well, another group of our friends, the other half, they had a little extra money and they were like, well, let's just say for like an extra day, like we're driving so we can just leave like an extra day. And essentially uh, we left that morning we're literally uh, Myrtle Beach from Ohio. We're like 15 minutes from my house. And I get the text like, you know, Corey's dead, ETC. So everybody was really drunk. So what happened during that process was uh, we ended up, I don't want to say disowning is not the right word, but like no one could give us a clear answer on what really happened. Mm-hmm. Everybody was really drunk, you know, and we're like, well, did he, because there was ru- like rumors, like they were wrestling up there and then, you know, he kind of got pushed, boom, fell through. There was rumors that he walked up and banged on the window and it broke and he, like, there's all this shit. No one could get a straight answer. So it kind of fractured our friend group. And it was shortly after that, that I moved to a different city to go to college. Didn't know anybody, had no friends there, nothing like that. So where I'm from, prescription pills and drugs, like they're huge, huge. I want to say that uh, Hawking County, where I'm from, is like, I've heard forever, now I don't know if this is just conjecture, but I've heard forever that it's like the number, like one of the number one places for heroin and opiates. It's right along Heroin Highway that ran up through Florida. So moved to college, don't really know anybody, really depressed. Like my friend Diane really messed with me. I remember sitting there listening to music, songs we used to listen together. I would just bawl my eyes out alone for, you know, never really growing up and having a whole lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, uh, you know, at 18, they say you're an adult but I sure as hell didn't feel like it. Yeah. Sure as hell. So I would go back home. I would buy like prescription pills, stuff like that. Take them back up to the apartment and just get high. Essentially to kind of wrap it all up, that led to years of, you know, doing drugs, partying, focusing more on that. I dropped out of college. 
um, you know, moved out to California trying to make it, you know, trying to see if I go to Cali and like, it's just in my brain. It was like, it's something I needed to do. I need to see the world. Went out to Cali, ended up being homeless out there. Got crazy stories about that. Um, never had to sleep on the street though. Thank God. I was always a good enough talker that I could convince people to let me stay with them. So yeah. it wasn't all bad, but I uh, moved back, had basically nothing. You know, my family, they almost say they disowned me, but my family had, uh, you know, really thought I fucked up. I mean, I was in college, dropped out, gave away all my shit, moved back, whatever, came back like a dog with my tail between my legs. And uh, I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, school's not going to work out. You need to start working. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I remember filling out job applications and my sleep schedule was so messed up. I remember I had an interview at finish line, right? And uh, it was at like 9 a.m. And at the time I was staying up to like 6 and 7 a.m. And like sleeping until like 4 and 5 p.m. just playing video games. I remember going to that finish line interview like – I, I, I don't think I even went to sleep that night because I was so nervous. Like 9 a.m., which I'm just as tired as I can be, like literally about to pass out. And this lady's asking me questions about this job, and I'm just just not good at answering them. And I remember leaving there like, I didn't get that job. Of course I didn't. Uh, it was so, so bad. But I eventually got a job because, you know, when I moved back from California, my confidence was in the shitter. Because I was like, you know, posting on Facebook, like, I'm moving to Cali. I'm making the dreams work. And then, boom, I moved back. It was a complete failure. So I was applying for jobs. Got one at a gas station. I was working at a Circle K. I think, what, at this time, I'm like 19. Working at a uh, Circle K gas station. They end up, uh, I, I found that once I started working, you realize that uh, not a lot of, how do I put this without sounding like a dick? Uh, it's not hard to succeed in life mm -hmm. as long as you try hard and you pay attention. <laughs> and, yeah. and you have a decent set of morals. So like I'm working at this, I'm 19 working with a bunch of older people at this gas station. And after like a couple months, they want to train me to be a manager. I was like, huh? Okay. So one day I'm working guy comes in, walks up to the counter. We had this thing where we had to like uh, mystery shop people. So people would come in, you they'd mystery shop you to make sure you're on your P's and Q's. Like, did you upsell on the candy? It's two for three. You know, did you X, Y, did you greet them properly? Did you blah, blah, blah. I got mystery shop one day and uh, I got like a perfect score on it. And then uh, the next day, there was a manager from uh, Radio Shack. Apparently, they used like the same uh, mystery shop thing or whatever. And he had came in and talked to me. And he was like, you know, I did him. He's like, you're really good at this. He's like, you want to work at, uh, you know, Radio Shack? We sell cell phones, yada, yada. He's commission based. I was like, sure. Started working at Radio Shack. Fell in love with like the commission sales model of like cell phones, right? And then... uh. Worked there, was making good money at the time for me being like, you know, 20 years old, had more money than I really knew what to do with. Applied at Sprint, got a job selling cell phones at Sprint on commission. Ended up winning, I think, salesman of the year. At least I was there for like six, seven years, but I think I won sales, salesman of the year like two to three times. I still have the plaques at least two times. I still have the plaques and trophies. Fell in love with that. And then at some point doing that, I was on instagram this would have probably been 20 when i started all this like 2016 ish but i'm on instagram and you're starting to see like i remember following a guy named joseph rackage he's a he's from new zealand i believe and uh, he was like the one of the first like online fitness personal trainers I remember i was following him i was kind of into fitness i went through a real bad breakup she left high school sweetheart started going to the gym started following fitness people for motivation and i was uh on his account and he's like posting like you know personal i'm an online personal trainer i do this i do that i always thought it was cool and then i one day he posts a picture standing next to a lamborghini and i was like wait a minute how does he have a lamborghini 
I kind of followed what he did and I realized, oh, he's making this much money just being an online influencer, selling meal plans, teaching people how to lose weight. And he's got a, a Lamborghini. So to me, that's like the light bulb moment. I started focusing on trying to make content. I bought a little tripod, trying to take pictures of myself. Started uh, posting some YouTube videos. And uh, the idea was like, if he did it, I think I can do it. Started posting. For a while, I remember like you can get on YouTube and you can see your the money you made, right? And it was yeah. stuck at a penny forever. And I quit checking it because it was depressing. So I was just doing one video a week, just kind of putting them out. I had a little camera guy. I would like, you know, pay like 20 bucks to come film me. We we're all broke to come film me. I would edit the footage. And then like, I was kind of, I was like, I'm going to do a video a week from here on out. And the idea was I'm going to blow up on Instagram. Instagram is going to be the moneymaker because that's what Joseph was doing. And YouTube will just be something to where if someone goes to my website and they see that I'm a personal trainer, they'll at least be able to like hear me talk and speak and articulate. I was like, it'll just be an extension of what we do, whatever. One day I got on YouTube and looked and that penny had went up to like 60 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did that happen? Because I wasn't looking at my views or anything. I was just like, just grind, grind, grind. That'll all come later. I went back and looked and there was a meal prep video I did that had like over 100,000 views. And I was like, what? Looked and I'm like, all right, we're just going to keep doing that video as many different ways as we can. So I did that a few more times. Next thing you know, I'm selling meal plans. I'm signing up clients. I'm making YouTube ad revenue. Remember there was one day at work, I made like 500 bucks. Um, I was at Sprint. I made like 500 selling plans. And I was like, I mean, this is what I make standing here hourly all week. Right. I was like, I have to, I have to give this my all. So dropped down to part-time. Luckily, I, I'm the type of guy I never take vacations ever. I had all this vacation time. They let me just like run it out and work like part-time, but get paid full-time. So I was able to do both at the same time. And I started saving money. I got so meticulous with how little money I would spend. It was like, I remember my girlfriend at the time, she'd be like, Hey, if you're on your way over, give me Taco Bell. I'm like, what do you want? And like, I'm like, you know, $2 and 70 cents to the T. I'm like, all right, I'm not even eating, but I'll get you, you know, I'll bring you Taco Bell. You want two tacos? <laughs> like meticulous, buying the cheapest brands of everything, save my money, had enough in my bank account where I knew for like six months, I could pay all my bills. If even if I made no money, mm -hmm. did that quit, found myself with, you know, all this time. Once you don't have a job, you had so much time. And I just uh, said, well, I don't really know what else to do other than make content. So I went for half a year straight, made Shot, edited, and put out a video every single day. I didn't miss a day for half a year straight. That got me up to over 100,000 subscribers, really got my client base up, really had me making, you know, some decent money. And then um, from then, it's just kind of been, you know, continuously posting. There's been roller coasters of ups and downs and left and rights. But, you know, at the end of the day, the hard work worked. Yeah, well, to kind of know what you were saying there, it sounds like you delayed a lot of gratification. And... Um, one thing that you had uh, mentioned earlier was the lack of a father in your life. And a lot of your story, I kind of resonate with too, because I was a little bit of a hellraiser in high school, always getting sent out of class every single day. And like my dad, Sims, yours was kind of in my life, but not like in that much where it was right. like, okay, Wednesdays, Sundays, I'd go hang out. But, um, he was a very, very good role model for me, but I feel like if he would have been more present, more consistent in my life, then perhaps I would have been a little bit more disciplined, which I'm very disciplined now, but it took me a long time of being an asshole <laughs> to yeah, figure yeah, out that yeah. like, this is what I had to do. So um, when I was like 17, I started working at a dealership and it, it seems like you kind of did the same thing. Like once you finally had like a purpose, you figured yes. out, oh, this is what I have to do. And this is kind of like what I was, you know this is what I needed to really establish who I am. So once you had that, you were able to, you know, you had an ax to grind, so you had something to just do and you weren't out there raising hell. You were actually contributing something. Well, I think a lot of uh, what we see in society right now 
is that a lot of men in particular don't have any purpose. Right. You have parents that are removing every obstacle and every struggle off their kid's plate. Mm-hmm. You have social media just just melting your brain cells minute by minute. And these kids are so wrapped up in it. And I really think for me, uh, you know, growing up like video games at one point was my purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Number one in the world. And I just really applied myself to that. And then at one point it was fitness. You know, I mean, I just finished a huge part of my life, but I'm saying at one point, like fitness was the purpose mm-hmm. and I'm the type of guy I always have to have something that I'm working on something to keep me focused, a task. You know, I always say like, if I wanted to get like, if I wanted to get really shredded, as shredded as possible, it'd be tough for me to just say right now I'm getting shredded with no real goal. Just, I'm just going to get shredded. But if someone came up to me and said, I bet I can get more shredded than you in eight weeks. like i will not fucking eat a grain of rice off my program for eight weeks (laughs) if there's competition involved you know Mm -hmm. so for me it's always been a a plant like in the beginning early with the uh, youtube stuff there was a guy in town that had been making youtube videos as well he kind of started he might have started i it's been so long but he like we got into like a competition when we started posting he had like made a post saying that i like because he had done youtube videos like before me like a couple weeks before and they were atrociously bad <laughs> and i remember uh I, w- I was making youtube videos and he's like i copied him i did this i did that he was like blaming me for trying to copy what he was trying to do and then i left his ass in the dust i think it's one of the reasons i went for half a year it's like we were arguing i'm like i'm gonna show you who's gonna win here. let's go and i think you know half a year straight i remember like grunt dude i'm t- fucking shoot video content edit till nine o'clock at night sleep wake up at like five or six start filming again every single day another video another concept that was, a, that was a grind, but sometimes I think you got to put in that time, that grind time. You got to be willing to give up shit that, you know, the temporary pleasures that are there right in the moment, you got to sacrifice some of those for, to just put that work in, you know, and make your, make your shit happen. You know, well, one thing that I found very helpful with your channels, and we can talk about this in a few minutes about, I uh, like the carnivore diet, but um, when it came to like the way you design your cookbook and some of your recipes, that was very, very helpful for me because I was black and white with carnivore where I would be good for a week or two. And then I would just all out fucking binge. Right. My fiance, I would go out to eat and that fucking two pieces of cheesecake at the cheesecake factory down and you know, all the alcohol. And then I'd feel like shit the next day. So uh-huh. um, one nice thing about your cookbook, and I kind of want to hear about the genesis of this was that you don't have to sacrifice those foods. Like literally last night I made air fried Oreos for my fiance and I didn't Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like looking back three years ago, I lost 70 pounds, right? I mean, I was a 250 pounds of about six foot ish. So I was a pretty heavy set dude, man. Oh yeah. I've seen your, uh, on Twitter. I've seen some of your before and afters. Yeah. 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 Looking so good. Was, thank you. I appreciate it, dude. Um, so losing all that weight, I look back now, I'm like, holy fuck, how bad did I actually like put back my physical fitness and overall like being by just having this black and white mentality with nutrition. So this is kind of why I like weighed people away every time, you know, the popular thing now is, Hey, let's do keto. Let's do carnivore. Of course. So that way I can lose weight. I'm like, well, why don't you just try to do like a little bit more of a moderate approach? Like you could still have this stuff, like the stuff that you cook. And maybe you could still lose the weight and still have stuff that you can enjoy. So I guess that's kind of a long tangent to ask you, what was the genesis for you making the cookbook? All right. So the way the cookbook came to be, I moved to Texas at the end of 2019. So small town, like I stated earlier, everybody kind of knows everybody. And for a while, I was just getting this uh, feeling that I was limiting myself being in such a small area. And I knew I wanted to move. I had... 
you know, like I, I loved where I was from. I had a lot of fun there, but I just knew deep down that I was sacrificing something staying there. Cause like, you know, I'm love to go, love to drink, love to go out, love to see people, but yeah. you're going to the bars. You're seeing the same people doing the same thing weekend after weekend, nothing changes, you know, another person gets divorced, another person, you know, just like same shit. So I really wanted to move. We originally looked at uh, LA was the original move. Thank God that didn't happen. Right. But went out there and looked at uh, LA. It was pretty expensive for like what you were getting. And then I knew down here. So I'm in uh, Sugarland, Texas, which is like right outside of Houston. I'm like a 20, 25 minute drive away from like downtown Houston and in the suburbs. Love it here. But um, my business partner, Ankram, his girlfriend is from here. But it just so happens Christian Guzman with Alpha Elite lives here. Max Tuning with Sour Strips lives here. Sholly Coker. Everybody was moving here because this is where Alpha Elite Gym was. You could film in there and do all that. So it seemed like a pretty cool place. She had vouched for it. Came down here and visited once. Fell in love. So moved down here October 1st of 2019. Moved down. Just kind of doing my channel business as usual. Filming videos. You know, more vlogs at the time. Fast forward to March. Pandemic hits. Boom. Everything locks down. My content was vlog focused, so it was go to the gym, film how I lift, go, you know, take the camera with me and go places. Well, everything disappeared. And, like, everything I could go do, like, disappeared. I remember, like, one of my final vlogs I made during that time was, like, going to Walmart and just looking at the shelves being bare. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to create content? You know, and I'd been making recipe videos before that, but a lot of the recipes before that were just, like, Google something that someone else is you know, like an idea that someone else has and just make that video. Like, mm -hmm. like at one point I had a, I had a assistant and it was like, all right, get online, find recipes for me to make on the channel. These are, there was almost to me, recipes used to be like the easy content. Just, oh, someone made protein cookies. I'm just going to make those protein cookies for the channel. So at this point in time, I just came off a cut and I was extremely, it was like probably the leanest, best shape I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to middle of the pandemic. I'm at home. I'm drinking a lot, like by myself. I don't know anybody. I had moved down to Texas with my best friend. We both had apartments in the same apartment complex. He moved back in December for a relationship. So I'm by myself, new city, don't know anybody. Was kind of meeting a few people, but then pandemic. All by myself, drinking, whatever. I let myself get pretty out of shape for me. I was pretty fat. And then I had found Greg Doucette on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I started watching his videos. And in the beginning, and he was like, Basically, you know, because you have all this bro sciencey shit that's in your head. Like, right. there's no way you can lose weight eating white bread. There's no way you can, you know, you got to eat just chicken. And, you got to you know, eat clean. Yeah, you ha you have to, right? And then Greg's like, no, all calories are created equal. Doesn't matter where it's coming from, as long as you hit the macros you need to hit and you eat enough protein, you're gonna be fine. So I started uh, following his diet. He had a couple like recipes, like the French toast and stuff like that. Started following it. And then for some reason, something in my brain clicked because for me, it was always like all or nothing. I was either being a hundred percent clean on point, getting lean, depriving myself, not going out, staying home, not going to dinners and shredding, or it was just like a shit show free for all. And every time I would get that lean, I would end up rebounding, eating a bunch of bullshit and then gaining all the weight back. So when I found Greg's style of doing things, something in my brain clicked and I was like, wow, I'm eating pizzas. I was making like healthy pizzas with fat-free cheese. I was eating the French toast. I was making like, like fried chicken in the air fryer, things like that. And I was like, it, it just, it blew my mind that it was this easy. Once you got rid of all the bullshit and the only things you focused on were what are your calories at and how much protein you're eating in a day. 
So if I eat, you know, 2,200 calories and I get at least 200 grams of protein, no matter how I get there, my body's going to change. And that just completely blew my mind. So I became obsessed with this idea that we could take food, make it a better way, load it down with protein, and you could still see results. So I started filming like these pizzas and things I was making. And then I was like, you know what? Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. I can just like, let's just do recipe videos. So I started dropping them. And I put out an anabolic like Oreo McFlurry video. That thing got like, that thing blew up. A bunch of other people started making it, doing things like that. And I saw all the traction it was getting. And I was like, well, I got like, you know, 70 recipes. Let me put out a cookbook. Because Greg had a cookbook. People were buying it. And I was like, I can put all these recipes in one place. All this stuff I'm figuring out. Boom. So remember, I launched the cookbook thinking I might like sell, you know, a few here and there. Mm -hmm. Nothing crazy. And boom, ended up being in a million, million dollar idea. I've made a million dollars off that cookbook. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, literally <laughs> made a million dollars just wow. off the cookbook. So I wish I tell people to this. It's like, uh, it's same thing with Anabar in a lot of ways. So it's like, you're going to put stuff out and there's stuff you're working on that in your brain, you're not thinking this is going to be the thing that makes me a millionaire. This is going to be the thing that's going to blow up. This is going to be my, you know, whatever. Everything for me that's been the most successful is shit that I thought was going to just be a little add-on that people would kind of like, make me a, maybe a few hundred extra bucks a week if I was lucky. Like the protein bars, Anabar was originally our supplement company. We were like, if we get a protein bar on our lineup, it's just going to increase overall cart value, the amount that people are buying. It'll give someone else something to buy. It's just diversifying the lineup. Little did we know we would launch and sell out in like 20 minutes and do like a quarter million in sales. Like little did we know. So it's like, you never really know what's going to be that thing. But just pay attention. And as you do shit, you'll notice some things will go more than others. And then once you see what that, you know, once that fire is lit, you got to just focus. Mm -hmm. So yeah, middle of pandemic, put out the cookbook, started uh, eating completely differently, started making videos about that. My channel went crazy. And yeah, dieting now for me is just my whole mind's changed because I think so much of diet culture and all that, no one really wants to do the actual work of learning how any of this shit works. People want you to say, they want to be as easy as possible. They go, carnivore, just eat meat. Think <laughs> keto, you know, just eat, you know, no carbs, keto. Like people want these quick things. But at the end of the day, everybody needs a certain amount of calories. You know, everybody's got a little different total daily energy expenditure, but you know, everybody's going to need a certain level of calories to maintain their weight, eat a little bit under that, eat enough protein. It's really that simple. I mean, I, I noticed no difference really, maybe a little bit of water retention difference, but Ain't nothing I can get off in a day in the sauna, but it's like, I mean, the best shape I've really been in was eating fat-free cheese and, you know, anabolic pizzas and French toast. Like it made no difference. And once I saw that, it was like mind-blowing for me. Yeah. So um, I guess since you kind of laid all that out, I'm curious what your experience with carnivore was like, and was this before anabol or the anabol cookbook or was this after? Definitely uh before. Okay, so what was your experience with carnivore? Because as I kind of laid out earlier, for me, it was like good binge, good binge, good binge. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at carnivore, I went for a month straight mm -hmm. and was super strict for a month straight. Didn't uh, eat anything, no, no carbs for a month. But uh, my calories were not necessarily – because like what I would do on the weekends, I would still have a cheat meal, but I would go like buy like chicken wings. I'd get like smoked chicken wings. Or I'd go get barbecue, no sauce, and just eat like brisket and – you know, a lot, dude, so much meat that like, 
I don't know if it was good for me. I remember my, just getting sharp pains in my stomach. So I just put down like a pound of brisket just sitting in my gut with nothing else. You go to like fog at a chow or something like that and get like six of everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just all meat. Um, but, you know, I felt really good on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my stomach got real upset in the beginning, like that whole like diarrhea thing. Like my yeah. stomach was <laughs> a mess for like the first week. But I, I, I mean, carnivore for me was great. You know, there was a looking back on it. I actually watched a video, a review video I made on the carnivore diet back the other day. And the weird thing I remember, this might've been placebo in some weird way, but like I had like a couple like holes in my teeth at the top, not nothing crazy, but like at the top of my tooth, there was like tiny little like cracks that were made. And I swore when I was on carnivore, those were like healing, which doesn't even sound real, but I swore like, I was like, they, these were there and they're not there anymore. I felt good. Was sleeping like a baby. Everything was good on it. But after about that month, you just, for me, it just got boring. Mm -hmm. It was like, all right, like I haven't had a cookie in a month. I haven't had a carb in a month. I remember that first time I ate carbs, I felt really good until the next day. But uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, it kept me lean, I thought. I thought it made me, uh, I mean, it. But for all intents and purposes, it seemed to work for me. Mm-hmm. But like I said, food, variety for me is the spice of life. I'm, yeah. you know, as much as I love a very addictive personality. So I tend to get very attracted to alcohol. I mean, drugs. I'm good now, but like food, like things like that, they give me pleasure. I tend to get really addicted to. And uh, with carnivore, for me, it just wasn't sustainable, I would say, you know? Yeah, that seems to be the case for a lot of people. Uh, The one thing that was kind of nice about carnivore is that it did really kind of break an addiction with food where um, I I felt a lot less food focused and that when I would fast, and I don't fast anymore, but um, working out fasted i know all the research says you're not supposed to do it and it's not as good for you but like mm-hmm. holy fuck did i just feel like tuned in whenever i oh, yeah. be like a fasted workout it was, it was so weird well it was uh i remember when i was doing omad mm-hmm. one meal a day diet or no oh, oh yeah it was omad um and then i converted to every other day mm-hmm. so i was doing a meal every other day so i would go whole day fasting made it easy because i was taking adderall all the time so it made it super <laughs> easy yeah <laughs> to crush <laughs> to crush my cravings because uh, uh i had a i had a guy i was working with and he was he had a script of adderall and he just never i mean he he got like way too many scripts for what he actually needed mm-hmm. so you know he'd hook me up and i had these adderalls and not only could i work really hard but like not eating was great but i look back so i was super lean during that time period but i look back i lost a shit ton of muscle during that time i watched those videos back i'm like what like it's so weird because when you're in it you don't realize how you look yeah and then i'll go back through and i'll be chopping videos up for like uh to put his reels or whatever, or, you know, on YouTube shorts, I'll be like looking at old videos. I'm like, Jesus, I was tiny, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it. And now that I've kind of back on eating every day, I feel so much bigger. I weigh like 20 pounds more, but I'm like, you know, not as lean, but I'm like basically right there. So I think there is some truth to the fasting thing and burning muscle. Although I was eating every other day. So it's hard to say. Yeah. I think I was definitely, and I was doing 40 minutes of hard stair step or cardio every single day. Oh, Killing myself. Yeah, I did that for like a year, year plus. Like, and I'm talking 40 minutes, like 16 out of 20 speed. Wow. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I remember uh, my band opened up for uh, Steel Panther. If you know who they are, um, I'm not. Okay, they're they're just like a. They just write like goofy songs. Like they made a song about Tiger Woods and okay, all the ladies in the neighborhood. It, it's it's really funny. But um, so we opened for them, and I remember seeing pictures. 
and I was doing all this hard cardio. I was jogging. I would run like 20 miles a week. And I actually, at one point, my fiance and I went vacation to Ocean City and I just fucking went nuts. I had everything under the sun, drinking, mm-hmm. eating, whatever. I came back and I literally did an 133 hour fast. So I fasted from Sunday till Saturday. Wow. I, yeah. I worked out every single day and I ran a total of like 13 miles in that time. And like looking back at that now, I'm like, holy fuck, I probably just destroyed all my fucking muscle metabolism and shit like that during that time when I could have just, you know, reduced calories a little bit. And you'll be well, okay. Especially when you're not eating uh, protein, mm-hmm. like right. enough protein, because like, that's the thing. If you're in a calorie deficit, your body doesn't have amino acids. It wants those and it's willing to pull it off of your body in the form of muscle. So especially a fast like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, it, but it took me switching to every other day dieting and like looking back on it to realize that, you know, I mean, if I think, I mean, I guess it depends on what we all want, right? right. If someone asked me, if I want to lose weight and I want it to be, you know, I guess as easy as possible, right? So I'm eating every other day. It didn't really matter what I ate on the second day with all my training and shit. It really didn't matter. I guess as long as it wasn't just deep dish pizzas and ice cream every time, but it was like, not only would I feel so full after you'd eat, cause you like, you let your stomach you know, shrink or whatever from not eating for that whole, you know, 36 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was like, um, it was just almost effortless. Right. Because you're taking that whole day, you're just not eating. So it was yeah. like, and I remember what really felt good was when I would fast. So I would eat, I'd wake up that next day after eating and I would start the fast, feel pretty good all day not eating. But then once I slept that night and woke up, not only was my sleep like the best it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Cause it, you know, they say when you eat too much food before bed, and you're digesting food, it takes like a certain percentage, like your body wants to work on recovery, you know, uh, autophagy, I think is the word for it, where like the old cells are removed and the new cells yeah. take their place and it cleans out and detoxes your body. Apparently you ever eat too much for bed, you wake up and you feel like you're hungover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sugar and shit. Yeah. So I was listening to Elon Musk talk about it. And he's like, it's one of the worst things you can do is eat a lot before bed. Cause it takes so much energy to digest that food. So when I would go that whole fast sleep and wake up, I felt like a God. Like you just wake up and you're like, no matter what, like six hours of sleep, I'm good. Yeah. Like so much energy, light as a feather. Yeah. And you, yeah. you make, you mix an Adderall in with that, <laughs> conquer the world. Yeah. So for me, I always usually try to end my eating around like six or seven o'clock on most days. I'll normally start eating around five in the morning, but um, yeah, when you go to sleep with like a lot of protein in your stomach, that's going to raise your overall body temperature and your body likes to be, I think it's like 60 degrees generally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you eat a lot of protein, then because of the thermic effect of food, your body temperature is going to increase. So your sleep won't be as good if you're eating, you know, all this lean meat or something like that before you go to bed. Well, I can always tell when I eat too much for bed because I might pass out for an hour or two and I'll wake up and I am soaking wet. Oh, geez. Yeah. I run hot. I run hot. Yeah. Yeah. My, my girlfriend, I keep my house at 65 degrees. Uh, so, and she's like a tiny thing. So she's like freezing and shivering and like, you know, I'm, yeah, I need it to be like that. I get so hot, so easy, like my whole body. So yeah, I just the other day we ate a bunch of bullshit. I think it was last Saturday, ate a bunch of bullshit. And then, yeah, we'll go in the middle of the night. And like, I'm talking like she like soaking wet, soaking wet. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. So like last night it was funny. We were watching the Jake Paul fight and I had a bunch of people over ordered a ton of pizza for everybody. And I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, I know, because I had this podcast today. I'm like, I know if I eat all this, I'm going to be shitty for this podcast. I was like, so I'm not eating. Deal? And like, we'll kind of make little bets. Deal. So there's <laughs> pizza, there's donuts. I'm high as shit. And there's like stuff everywhere. And I'm just like, nope, not eating it. And sure enough, went to bed at like 1 a.m., woke up at like six something and pretty good. But if I'd have, ate, if I'd have eaten last night, whew, 
Miserable. And, uh, yeah, you seem pretty uh, pretty sharp and pretty on top of it right now. I'm sure the coffee's kind of kicking in for you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, it seems like you kind of shifted away from the supplements and stuff like that more directed your attention towards Anabar. And you kind of alluded to earlier that that wasn't your initial focus. So Mm-mm. I'm curious kind of what the the whole deal with that was and what you're going to do going forward. Well, uh, with Anabar, so we, what happened was we tested Anabar out for like, Ugh, six, seven, eight months before we actually dropped. So there was a lot of teasing on my channel. There's a lot of like trying, like, you know, trying out the different formulations. Always like, it's coming soon, it's coming soon. Did a lot of teasing. So I really think if you have a social media platform and you're going to drop something, because I learned this from Max Tuning, you really just tease the shit out of it. Give them a little bit all the time. Keep them interested for as long. Because he did that with Sour Strips and his first launch was incredible. So you kind of tease it, tease it, tease it and drop. Well, we were expecting Anabar to just be like I said, another thing that people would get. I mean, I want to say our selling company that year, the year the year before when we launched Anabar, might have only done like 300000 in sales. So, you know, not a ton of profit there. Supplements are expensive. You don't have a lot of margin. So, you know, it was enough to where the selling company was, you know, the company was self-sufficient. It was making enough profit to continue operating. We could, you know, pay for the Anabars without putting our own money in. But it wasn't something I was making any personal money off of. We took zero money out of that. I just actually started making money from Anabar like six months ago. Wow. So, cause the whole, the whole time with this business, um, me and my business partner started at Ryan Ankrum, we both always said like, we both have our own shit going on. I got my YouTube channel. You have your YouTube channel. You have what you do. I have what I do. Neither one of us need this money at all. We don't need it yet. So let's just put all the money back into the business. So we drop Anabar March 19th, 2021. Yes. March 19th, 2021. I'm teasing it this whole time. I'm thinking like, Hey, this is just going to be, you know, we might have this first drop. We're going to sell some of them, but you know, we have enough bars. We shouldn't have to reorder for a while. I think we had 2000 boxes of each flavor of all three flavors. So 6,000 boxes. Been teasing it. We get up close to the launch. We know the launch is coming. We finally got it. I've been teasing the shit out of it. I'm sitting here at my computer. Um, we drop, it was like 10. It was like some weird thing. Like it was dark out. It was like eight or nine o'clock at night on like a Thursday or something. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting there and I'm looking and you know, Shopify, you can see how many people are waiting on your site. I'm like, there's 500 people waiting on our website for this drop. We drop, and I'm just watching the sales go $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, And me and him sat there, and I think like with over the course of that like whole weekend and everything, um, I mean, because we sold out, and I think, I mean, it wasn't long. I mean, it might have been like under an hour. It's hard to remember, but it was quick. Mm. And then boom, we just saw that number up there and it was like over $200,000. And remember me and him calling each other. It was like, you felt like you wanted to cry. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never like, you know, it really clicked because you see like um, all these uh, companies, let's say, Anaka, like companies down here specifically, Anaka Power, Sour Strips, Alpha Lee, they have this like launch culture, new launch coming, tease it, da, 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 drop. Everybody feels that sense of like, they might miss out. They want to get there. There's like a scarcity element to it where like you don't want it to sell out if it keeps selling out whatever and it was at that point we realized that we had because no one had even tried the bar yet you know i'd ran around right before it dropped to kind of give it to some influencers they were like trying it and got on youtube videos and stuff but no one had had it so everybody jumps in and gets it the bar ended up i guess exceed exceeding everybody's expectations Mm -hmm. and then after you know we had another drop sold out added another flavor sold out and then we started looking at the overall business as a whole and right now, I mean, Anabar is 99% of all of our sales. The supplements are like 1%. Mm-hmm. 
So I think this year we're going to finish a little over five, maybe four and a half, five million in sales for this year. And we, we launched last year. So last year we finished a little over 2 million. So this year we're going to be like four and a half, five million. We'll be in every Trader Joe's nationwide, hopefully before Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. And we just had to look at everything and we go, okay, Anabar is definitely the product that's making the money. The one that everybody wants. The supplements were always kind of an afterthought. Like I never really liked the branding. I never really liked, you know, the formulations were great. They were great supplements, but it was never, you know, and even then, like it was a hard sell for me because I've been very self-sufficient with all, all the content I make. So I've never really had full-time camera people. I've never really had people to film me, go work out. So for me, what was the easiest thing to do? Make recipes in my kitchen. That was easy to edit, easy to shoot, um, evergreen content. So people will always like a recipe video is still good five years from now. Right. A vlog isn't like a workout probably isn't. And there's so much oversaturated workout content in general. So pitching supplements was much harder than pitching a, pitching a food product with what I did. So I think it was like the perfect stars aligned moment where I'm teaching people how to eat healthy and all this stuff. And then we have a kick-ass product that tastes incredible. So we also have an amazing product. And then when people are already on my channel for food, they're getting the pitch for another food product. Bada bing, bada boom, stars aligned. So yeah, at this point, we are almost sold out of all of our supplements. We're going to do a rebrand. So we're going to take uh, all the supplements, originally Final Boss Performance, back to my video game roots. We're going to wax that brand entirely. And then Anabar will come out with its own line of like protein powders and other things like that. But we decided, you know, with the supplements taking such a small percentage of our overall revenue, it's not even worth wasting the time, the thought, pro like the, the energy, anything on doing that. Instead, we need to go balls deep on Anabar, which we decided that maybe, you know, six months ago to really take the hard pivot six to months to a year ago. And um, yeah, one of the best decisions we ever made because Anabar continues to grow everything. We keep dropping new flavors. We got some crazy shit in the works right now. Nice. And we just, we just launched uh, in Canada. So we had no way to get our bars because it was not feasible to ship to Canada. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's too much of a hassle. Shipping is way too expensive. If someone orders off our website and we got to ship it to them, when you're talking $30 box of protein bars, $40 shipping oh, takes two weeks to get, you got to deal with uh all the other bullshit if they gets lost or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got a distributor up there. So Popeyes is one of the biggest supplement uh, just like stores up there. Like how GNC is big down here. Yeah. Uh, they have like a place called Popeyes. So we got into a distributor up there. Now we're in like all the supplement stores up there. So we're flooding Canada where uh, we just got with distributors down here. So now they're, we're in like all the gold's gyms around the country. Mm -hmm. We have the Trader Joe's deal. Um, we're working on Walmart and uh, Walmart and Kroger right now. We got to prove ourselves essentially through Trader Joe's and they might pick us up. So just working on expanding and uh, taking over the protein bar world. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. and let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, 
there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Uh, also it tastes really really good. Get some uh, chocolate cream or hazelnut cream or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. Alright guys, thanks. Nice, yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that's that's a whole hell of a lot, and that's you literally more than double your performance with the protein bar. Uh-huh. And I, I knew that they were good because I kept I, I. Funny enough, my dispatcher at my job actually kind of gave me um, a taste of the anna butter, and he gave me an anna bar. I'm like, holy fuck, this stuff's really good. Like, <laughs> I was already listening to you and checked out your stuff prior, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'll get them, and then that uh, kind of propelled me to do it. And it's I think it was the fruity cereal one. That's a my, good one. Yeah. Oh yeah. My fiance is super picky and uh, she took some of those. And she's like, wow, this is like really good. So I was like, all right, well, then that <laughs> we're, we're just going to have to get more. And unfortunately she has a gluten um, allergy. So there's only certain ones that she can. Yeah. Have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, dude, that's awesome. And that's all fucking really good stuff. So um, kind of pivoting to uh, some spicier stuff. Um, you had loosely talked about 2020. Um, you were in Texas, right? Yes. In March of 2020. Yes. So I love asking people this question because depending on where you were and for a lot of people, this is really like a, a change of their life. So I'll kind of, of lay course. out what happened for me. Um, like I said, I'm in Southwestern Pennsylvania and we had some of the worst lockdowns in the country. Yeah. Um, I remember I have a picture of a card, that little green card at Fago de Chow that like says, Hey, you know, keep giving us food. I have a picture of that and I, I hope I never lose it because I, I'll never forget getting a text on my phone. We both had like drinks on the table and then it said Pittsburgh now declares um, a state of emergency. And I remember just looking around thinking like, oh, well, that's weird because everything looks pretty normal. And I remember hearing all the coverage of the virus and I'm like, a lot of this just seems overblown. I called it from the beginning. I'm like, I'm, so I'm not scared. Of, right. <laughs> oh, nice. So everything I was hearing, like even the people who are more liberty minded and kind of like in my general space, they were like really freaking out about this. I'm like, Something just does not seem right here. So um, what was your experience and what was your initial thoughts? All right. So crazy thing was um, I knew about COVID in like January mm -hmm. before it dropped because there was all, all these rumors about a virus going around China. Yeah. You know, I live by myself. I have nothing but free time. I'm on a computer. I'm on Reddit. So I was seeing a lot like, so in the beginning, I got pretty swept up in the propaganda. There was a lot of videos of like, like a Chinese person walking down the street and like falling. There was a lot of really weird videos coming out. Right. So people were talking about COVID. This was before anybody knew anything. I remember being on a YouTube video, doing a collab with my business partner. And I had talked about it. I was like, look, there's this virus. It's kind of spreading. There's a chance it's going to come here and it's going to be pretty crazy. Hope you all know. I remember the comments being like, you're retarded. You're fear mongering <laughs> all this shit, right? Lo and behold, a couple months later, you know, everything starts popping up. We start seeing about COVID. And at first, you know, everybody was was really scared. And I get there was a point in time where we didn't have enough data, you know, being scared was probably the, the, the smart decision until we knew more, but very early on, I was just seeing, like I was hearing, all right, so if you're young, it's really not going to do too much to you. If you don't have any, uh, the average person that dies of COVID has between two to three comorbidities on average. So they're overweight, diabetic, they have something else going on. And I just always, one thing I always said in the beginning, because, you know, that first like month, I always hated masks, by the way, I despised <laughs> masks. I hate them. I was, I was one of the only people walking around here without a mask on. 
I would go into stores with that one. They would try to get me to, and I would just like shrug them off. And sometimes they would force me to, you know, I wasn't like an overall dick. Like if I was getting on a plane or my vet's office was a bunch of older people that worked there. So it's like, you know, there were certain places where I would do it just out of the kindness for other people, mm-hmm. but at the grocery store, any of these places, I would not do it. I remember early on, it was like, maybe like, you know, a month into it or whatever, I'm starting to hear some of this data. And I was like, I don't think this is that big of a deal. And I remember stating that, all right, like I would tell people this because like, you know, family's freaking out. You have certain friends freaking out. And I was like, look, like I haven't seen anything yet. If this is so bad, where's everybody has a camera in their pocket. Where's the video of the dying kid going, guys, I'm on my last breath with COVID. This is really bad. Where was that? They told us we had a pandemic. I didn't see one ever. (laughs) I didn't see extra ambulances. I didn't see anybody. I didn't see it ever. And I heard some, there were some people in my hometown that died and passed away older, you know, sixties. And they were like, yeah, well, this person passed from COVID. And I'm like, she weighed 300 pounds. Like, you know, my chances of the, like, I like my chances. Why are we <laughs> shutting down? Why are we shutting down everything for this? Why, why, why is the, why is the first move stay inside? No one leave shut down and ruin small businesses. Mm-hmm. All of this, when we could have taken the vulnerable population and just say, Hey, you guys stay inside. We'll do what we can do. You know, things like Instacart, things like grocery delivery service. Maybe we'll give you a stipend for that. We'll get you your groceries. If you're vulnerable and you really do think you have this, you know, you really feel vulnerable, we can take care of you. But why shut down the economy? Why do all of this for in retrospect, we were right (laughs) in retrospect. Like, I mean, I mean, I think we're going to look back in like 10 years at COVID and a response to it and history will not be kind to this, Mm -hmm. especially if the uh, liberal establishment media doesn't continue to have a hold on the narrative. I think just overall, you just take away all political bias. You just look at how we responded, the repercussions, the loss in uh, education from our kids. No one's even talks about the developmental issues that can happen from these kids are so young. And what, like when you're like one to four, you are a sponge. You're watching everything. You're watching people's mouth movements. You're watching all this subconscious program. You're literally soaking things up. We put these kids in masks, had them, they couldn't see anybody smile. Everybody was just strangers with eyes. Like in my, in my, like that red pilled me so hard. This whole thing. I remember I knew nothing about politics and I mean, nothing. People are like, are you Republican? Are you Democrat? I didn't know what they meant. All I knew from the little bit I paid attention was that at the time, I'm like, Donald Trump's evil just because everybody's saying it. Or I thought <laughs> that, you know, that's yeah. what I thought. I remember this all happened and there was nothing else to do because, you know, you're locked inside, whatever. So there was the, uh, they were doing those White House briefings, right? So I, I, I got up. I'm like, well, I got to see what's going on. Turn it on. Trump gets on, has a talk. He gets off and I go, all right, I, I, I feel confident in what he was just saying. Like, I, I like, you know, we're all kind of confused, but I feel like he's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Then I would get on YouTube and Twitter and I would see them spin it into him being like the most evil guy in the world. And I was like, that's not what I just watched. And then I was like, wait a minute. Then I really started paying attention, did a little more research, figured out what's a Democrat, what's a conservative, what do they believe in, what are they not? And I'm not even sure. I mean, I'm definitely way more conservative. You know, I'm liberal on a lot of things, but I'm definitely more conservative. But for me, it's the hypocrisy. Yeah. I feel like uh, on the left, there's so much rules for thee and not for me type shit. There's a lot of like blatant lying. There's a lot of, you know, I'm not saying assertives don't do it, but for some reason, and then we would get into all this stuff like the, like the, the gender ideology, Mm -hmm. 
and all this stuff. And honestly, the more time goes by, <laughs> you know, they say we're all trapped in echo chambers, right? And the reason I probably feel like I do is because I'm in an echo chamber. I, I get, I try to, I watch uh, like, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Destiny. Yeah. Okay. I watch him. I, I, I love his points of view on a lot of shit. But it's like, after just seeing how unfair everything appears, like all the, you know, I love that Elon just bought Twitter, but like, you know, the big tech monopoly all has a liberal bias. You know, a man can be a woman, vice, like all, all this, this <laughs> shit that's happening. And I just see it and I go like, that road seems like the downfall of our country. Mm-hmm. And then I, it's, I just feel like when I'm looking at both parties, I go, common sense appears to exist more on the right than on the left. Mm-hmm. And as someone that got completely red-pilled right in the middle of COVID, you know, I might have been a liberal 10 years ago, you know, and I'm liberal on a lot of shit, but after watching everything happen, I'm just, yeah, it's, uh, it was definitely a political awakening for me. And I'm, what, you're a libertarian, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't even really know what that means. Could you explain that to me? Like, so like you have conservative, you have liberal, right? What's libertarian? So libertarians basically believe that our, um, our founding guiding principles are basically private property rights. Um, you know, individual autonomy. So basically you own the product of your labor and your own body. And then also um, non-aggression. So as in you are not allowed and it's morally wrong to aggress upon another as in force your beliefs or do something to somebody else that they don't agree with. So we believe in voluntary transactions. So basically that's all that there is to libertarianism. Now, when it starts getting into culture, this is where some libertarians kind of deviate. So if you had to put me in one box or the other, I would definitely be more right-leaning. I typically call myself like a socially conservative libertarian because that's where a majority of my beliefs and kind of cultural um, leanings kind of line up. So um, I don't like Republicans for the fact that they usually, when they're campaigning and when they're not in office, as soon as they get in office, they do the exact same thing that Democrats do pretty much. And Democrats, obviously, they're they're just fucking, they're insane, right? And they Mm -hmm. stand for absolutely everything that I'm against, right? They believe in this degeneracy. They believe in telling children it's okay to cut your dick and balls off. That's the worst. That's the worst. It's so bizarre to me that we're literally having a conversation in 2022 that, hey, maybe we shouldn't have kids um, exposed to drag queens and Mm -hmm. that it was commendable for Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, to say you will not teach anyone under fourth grade about gender ideology like that was a commendable stand. The commendable stand should be you don't fucking teach kids this shit, period. At all. At all. We're, We're taking so much choice away from the parent. And right. um, the, the thing is, too, and the thing about, like, these ideologies that they want to push on us, these are liberal ideologies. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to the nuclear family? What right. happened to raising your kids how you wanted to? You know, you go to school, the teacher teaches them, but you kind of keep politics out of it. You keep all that goofy shit out of it. We don't want to confuse these kids. And right now, what we're doing, I mean, the rise in transgender kids mm-hmm. in just the last 10 years, the, the rise of something like, uh, I don't know the exact stats, but I want to say it was something like 500% increase. Yeah, so fivefold. And then when you look at uh, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, mm-hmm. she cites in there. So she went and did like a, have you, have you seen or heard of anything about her book, Abigail Schreier? Yeah, I, I've, I watched her uh, interview with Jordan Pearson. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, so she has that. And then the Joe Rogan one's really inspiring too. Okay. But um, she talks about it. And, you know, because the whole thing is, like, there's more transgender people now than ever. And I get that there's certain people that you legitimately suffer from gender dysphoria. Sure. I get that. That is a 
medical condition, a, a mental condition. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get canceled for saying that now, but it's literally up until very recently. That was something that was in the, whether it is that the DSM handbook or mm-hmm. on mental health or whatever. Like if you suffer from legitimate gender dysphoria, you wake up, you're a man, but you literally feel like a woman. I feel sorry for you. And I think we should respect that if you want to do that. Not that I agree with it, but like you do whatever makes you happy. Me, it's the, it's the shoving of this down our throats. It's the forced compliance, mm-hmm. right? If someone walks up, like uh, you know who Blair White is? Yeah. I would call her a she. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, that used to, I look at her as a woman. She's put in so much time and effort <laughs> into making that happen. And she talks about it and you hear her story and you're like, all right, I believe you, all this stuff. But what's happening now is the social contagion element of this shit. So you have these, because like Abigail Schreier looked at it and she goes, okay, so the argument that it's increased is that now it's acceptable. So more people, much like when homosexuality was frowned upon, you know, once it became more mainstream and everybody more acceptable, a lot more people came out, right? So they're saying the same thing's happening with transgenders. But when you look at the data, for one, it overwhelmingly happens to young girls, overwhelmingly versus men. It's like a, like 80, 20%. But if it was true that it was just, you know, more socially acceptable, you would see across the board, all populations and even dispersal of that. It would just be granted with followed up everywhere. Right. Instead, in her research, it happened in friend groups in clusters of girls. And typically it happens to young women that are a little more socially awkward, a little more awkward, maybe in their development, they're maybe a little chubby or just, you know, you're looking around, you're seeing your friends, you know, you're, they, these girls are slim, they're, they're turning into women, you know, and they, they just look like the eye, like they're getting attention from guys. And, you know, we all, we all know, obviously uh, it's, you're playing this genetic lottery when you're born, but we all knew those people that were just a little more awkward you know, whatever. And they ended up maybe being in band. They ended up being goth. They ended up do, you know, finding these little groups where they could find people that they could have something in common with, develop those friendships. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is that trans has become just like a new goth. It's become right. <laughs> like literally though. It's quite, an identity. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. And what happens in her book and what she cites is that you have these, these young women that have never really gotten much attention never really been celebrated. They don't really do a whole lot. In the majority of cases, they're helicopter parented. Their parents haven't really let them experience much, whatever. They see one of their friends come out as trans and they get celebrated. You're so brave. You're this, you're that. They get all this attention. One girl sees it. The next girl goes, I think I'm that too. I think I'm that too. And people are looking for answers. I mean, when I was young, I, you know, I think everybody does when you're young, but you have a hard time knowing who you are. You're growing. You don't really know who am I supposed to be. I'm kind of unhappy. Things are awkward. You really don't know. And we're getting these kids in that moment where puberty's happening, all these confusing changes. Things are just weird, right? And you feel a certain way. You're on, and especially now, I can only imagine how it is for these kids with social media. Right. You're seeing like because back then, what did I have? Uh, I am 32. How old are you? Uh, I'll be 28 actually in a week. Okay. So I'm 32. So growing up, uh, I mean. I didn't have a Facebook until college. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we had like MySpace and a little things like that, but there wasn't the pictures, the cameras, the filters, right. the clothes, none of that. So I couldn't imagine how you would feel as a kid now growing up with social media, mm-hmm. but you make this one change. You start to get celebrated. You can now join these online communities where you post this yeah. and that, and then you're getting love, you're getting affection. Yeah. And you found this, uh, you found, you know, cause at the end of the day, we really all just want companionship. We want friendship. We want human connections. Yeah. You've never really had those 
And then you can just say some magic words. And now you have those mm -hmm. and you're getting the attention. You go, oh, this must be true. This is how I am. This is how I feel. And then eventually, you know, if you see that all the way through, you start the hormones, things start changing, da, 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 you know, and maybe you were legitimately gender, you know, dysphoric, maybe you're way happier like this, but there's a reason why the trans suicide rate is the highest out of any group. Right. Cause I mean, we are affirming mental illness in so many cases and we're letting uh, Elon calls it the woke mind virus, but people are getting <laughs> infected with these terrible yeah. ideas and they're trying to change shit that we shouldn't really be messing with. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, Douglas Murray, great guy. I bought his book, madness of crowds. And he talks about this, what scares me. He says that like all the great empires, the Roman empire, all these great empires, one thing they have in common, majority of them, is when they fall and when they fell, they got, the cultures got really obsessed with gender, men being women, and they kind of lost that, uh, the masculine feminine paradigm, the yin to the yang. And I think uh, if, I mean, I really think there's going to be a red wave. Mm -hmm. Is that how you're feeling about these uh, midterms? That's yeah. all I'm hearing. I, I, by the landscape, and I live in like a more rural area here in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, there's literally when I walk my dogs every single morning, there's Trump flags hanging everywhere. Okay. And um, I, I'm not as hopeful as some people because, as I kind of mentioned earlier, typically what happens is that the Republicans campaign really, really well. And as soon as they get in, they cock to the left and everything that they want. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think the problem is, is that we have this culture war where for eight years under Obama, everybody was racist, Islamophobic, homophobic, you know, list of adjectives, right? Mm -hmm. And then every, that pissed so many people off that there was a lot of crossover from Obama to Trump voters that all these people were like, I'm not a fucking racist, homophobe or anything right. like that. So I'm going to fucking pull the lever for this guy because he doesn't hate me. So then mm -hmm. they pulled the lever for, the, for Trump. And then Trump in 2020 really fell apart because it was like, okay, well, he was for lockdowns and he wasn't. And then his debate performances, he was cutting loose. Yeah. But then once again, a lot of people are going to look at 2020 and the situation that happened there and say, this is his fault. So let's go for the other guy. And I don't think that was the right response at all, but I could understand where people think, okay, well, he's the guy in there. So we blame him for that. Right, right. So then people vote for Biden and then it's like, holy fuck, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah, what did we get? A hundred billion dollars to uh, for a proxy war that could end civilization. Insane. Insane. Like, what the fuck are we doing? And then people are saying, oh, he's Beijing Biden. But like this dude's flirt with war with China, too, because he's ramping up tension over like what the fuck is going on? Like, are, are there no sane people out there? Fucking here in Pennsylvania, Fetterman and Oz. Oz the snake. Oh, salesman. that's it. That's where you're at. That's where you're at. Yeah. Fetterman. Yeah. Fetterman yeah. And, and like fetterman's like a geriatric outpatient like uh-huh these are the two people we have to choose from are you fucking kidding me <laughs> well that's kind of how it felt during the last election though because um, right. you know i'm not a, a lot of people honestly i i grew to like trump just because other people hated him so much exactly um and, and I, I wasn't people for that yeah yeah and i wasn't uh what do you call it i wasn't um paying attention enough before 2020. So I only really got, uh, you know, Trump for a little bit and it was in the middle of all this bullshit. Right. So I never really got to pay attention to policies. I never really got to pay attention enough to know if he did a good job or not. All I know is that my life was good yeah. during that time. There was no worries about anything. I think the markets were pretty, I think everything was pretty good. Mm -hmm. So all I've really been able to see is the Biden administration and what they've done. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but, you know, and I always say this and I'm like, oh, like, here's the thing too. Cause I'm, de I'm definitely, if I had to label myself, I mean, I'm probably honestly fall somewhere more in line with like a libertarian or something a little different. Cause I hate saying that I'm like 
there's so much conservative stuff that I'm against. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pro-choice. I'm, uh, you know, I don't care what you do as long as you don't affect me. There's, there's just a, a lot of things. I'm not trying to enforce anything on anybody. Yeah. But like the conservative values of like, you know, I don't know the the hard work. Um, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Although I get that that's an overly simplified term for you know yeah. when there's a lot of inequality and we don't all start from the same place. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe in hard work. I believe in like family. These are all things I never really thought about until I've seen the culture take such a weird turn these last it, few yeah. years that, that I'm like, oh, this shit actually is important. If you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have been like, no, the world keeps spinning no matter what. Yeah. But the second that we start blurring the lines between, you know what I mean, what, what is a woman? Have you seen that documentary? No, but I, I, I can't believe it's a fucking documentary. It's just, yeah. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not for giving those guys really uh, my money or at the time I wasn't, but uh, I just subscribed to it. I don't even really follow them like that. I just saw the movie, subscribed to Daily Wire real quick, canceled it immediately, had that month, watched that. And uh, it's mind-blowing. It is absolutely mind-blowing. No one can answer that question. Mm-hmm. And when we have simple truths that have always been true, yeah. that we've always known intrinsically, that have never even been in question, that now you're telling me what I see with my own eyes and what I hear with my own ears isn't real. Joe Rogan said this the other day on a podcast, and I really resonated with it. He said... <laughs> If you wanted to end the United States as we know it, you wanted it to implode from the inside, you'd be the people in power would be just doing what they're doing now. Would you change anything? It wouldn't look any different. <laughs> because uh, I know, like Tim Pool talks a lot about a uh, you know civil war. I've heard him say that a few times, and it's like uh, not that I see that coming, but like Jesus, yeah. I mean, there's enough small pockets of people that are that passionate and that radicalized, like. I feel like uh, these next two weeks are going to be crazy, but I think for the next election, unless some shit really happens, I don't know. I mean, if we thought this last one was bad with some of the Antifa clashes and the Proud Boys and all this stuff, uh, I feel like unless we can get a handle on this, which I don't know how we put the genie back in the bottle. I feel like social media is just so out of control and the amount of uh, amplification all of these ideas are getting. And I just, I, and I, there's a lot of people that don't believe the 2020 election was fair. So it's like, I think you combine all of these things. I mean, I don't know. I think we're in for, we're in for a wild ride <laughs> these next couple of years. I really do. Yeah. It's so interesting. And because I feel like the base of this country, a majority of people would agree on. But the problem is, is that when you get to the margins, there's extremely um, radical people who will not budge an inch, right? Mm-hmm. Where, this, like I said, this culture war is so fucking hot and the reason why politics is so important, so ingrained in our lives, is because everybody wants that ring of control, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants the culture, the presidency, the house, everything to be theirs. And they're not willing to say, well, how about we roll this back, which is what libertarians want. We want to roll this back as much as possible and decentralize as far as possible. So like your local community can be the way that you want it. And then, you know, the community over could be the way that they want it. And we can have just these small pockets of culturally different people as long as you don't violate other people's areas or other people's wants and you respect each other but once again because there's so much power and so much is at stake that now each side has to have their way or the highway and this it's such a toxic way for us to live because we can't 
you know, we're literally choking the life out of one another just 10 years at a time, right? Where, right. you know, every four years things change, the culture war swings back, and then, you know, you're racist, you're a Nazi, and then, you know, I'm sure we're going to have the satanic panic all over again when we have a red wave because it's going to be like the early 2000s where rap music and heavy metal music are the devil's music. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, why, why do we have to do this? Why can't we just say, hey, if you like to play heavy metal in a bar and drink your whiskey, you're fine. If you want to go smoke weed and have a harem, you can do that so long as you're not, you know, coming into communities that don't want you. Like, I, I don't understand where common sense got lost in all of this. And, but I think we would also all agree that like, leave children the fuck alone. That's it. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people that you literally feel compelled to get naked in front of children? It's very disturbing. Very, very weird. And like, the thing is, maybe I'm in an echo chamber, but it all seems so intentional. It's right. so, it's so weird. It's like, you know, deep down, like, yeah, I, I, uh, I like to participate in some debauchery. I like to get real drunk. I like, you know, I, oh, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go, I've actually been to a drag show before mm -hmm. when I was in Key West, they have this, uh, we were walking by and there's like this drag show and they're like, you can get a VIP table. It's this. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. We sat down, we did it. I was entertained. You know, it was, it was weird, but it was entertaining for what it was. I'm like, you know, whatever. So it's not that I, that, you know, I think that needs to go away, but I couldn't picture a kid where I was. You know, I couldn't picture a kid watching uh, that. That just seems terrible. And it seems like the more that we don't want that to happen is, uh, you know, like the people, the more that people don't want it to happen, let's say on the conservative side mm -hmm. or you know, the libertarian side, the more that they almost want to do it just to like spite us. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's how it feels. Right. And, and, that, and that goes back to the whole gender ideology and children thing. It's like, it's not that it, well, I have a problem with people being trans. Mm -hmm. It's that why are we... You know, if, if things have worked from the dawn of time with men being men, women being women, you know, family, kids, just the way, like just on paper, the way things work, right? If it's all worked like that for so long, you know, that's the best chance of our survival as a species is for us to procreate and have these traditional relationships. Why confuse our kids so young and just put these weird like i see all these i follow libs of tiktok and i see all these things that these teachers like today i told all my students that i'm non-binary they're like what's that mean i'm like well i don't really have a gender and you're just like why infect these brains these malleable brains with this te these terrible ideas and why do you feel the need to come out to your students what kind of validation do you want like you're, you're doing this for purely selfish reasons mm -hmm. completely because no no one gives a fuck about you Right. But you think these little kids are going to care and like you get that validation and that self-esteem. And why do they always have pink hair? Why are they always ugly? Why do they always <laughs> look the same? Yeah. Like you, there's a trend you can, you can see, you can see what happens. I mean, you take like, it's funny because there really are caricatures at the extreme of both ends. You go to like the extreme far right. It's a lot of people that I grew up around like that super redneck, that super like, <laughs> they took our chair. like it's literally a caricature and then vice versa on the other side. It's the same thing. Like you said, the pink hair, unattractive maybe six lip piercings like i don't know just like it's it's funny and it's almost like when i when i find out it's like i'm at a point now where i feel like i can look at somebody i mean if you have pink hair I'm, i just assume you know if you're <laughs> a super redneck yeah, and you got camo on i just kind of assume mm -hmm. i think the problem is we're letting these voices on the far side of the debate on on both sides they're so i think they're they're much smaller than we think percentage-wise population but they're so loud yeah and on a place like twitter have you been on twitter these last couple of days obviously yeah yeah are you seeing <laughs> Unfortunately. it it's different yeah. it's way different now so it's like uh how much suppression was really happening 
shadow bands, all that stuff. How much of that was really happening? And you watched, I don't know if you watched the Project Veritas leaks mm-hmm. where they put that like attractive woman and they take all these tech guys on dates and all the, the admittance of banning people because they're conservative. If they had one guy with an infraction and they saw he was pro-Trump, they'd ban him. If he wasn't, they'd give him a warning. Like that's so like, so, so much of our speech has been in the, just the public discourse. Like I get on Twitter sometimes and it just makes my head hurt. Cause I'm like, how are these ideas at the top? How does this have so many favorites? But these last couple of days I've been like, all right, it seems way more balanced now, <laughs> yeah. way more balanced. Well, and that's the funny thing is that, um, there's so much like shaping of your reality around social media. And it's so bizarre to me that you're (laughs) the MAGA voting, you know, Trump guy down the road from you is supposed to be this deadly terrorist, but you're supposed to believe that Putin who's thousands of miles away and is taking a country that nobody could point to on a fucking map. Mm -hmm. Um, he's you know it's fine to poke him with a prod even though he has nukes and it's okay to keep sending weapons to fund a proxy war where he said this will go nuclear if you fuck with my territory um don't worry about him but the guy that voted the way that i didn't like you Mm -hmm. know you should be scared of him like it's literally up is down and down is up like there we go (laughs) there we go it's literally clown world you know and, and i would say i would say that uh Talking to somebody, um, so from my point of view, right, the mainstream political parties, Republican, Democrat. Mm-hmm. So I would say for me coming out of, you know, like for someone like so my, my girlfriend, we've been together like six months, right? Mm-hmm. She's black, didn't know anything about politics, but was always told you had to vote Democrat, you know, yeah. like just told that's just what you had to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, all she had to do was I showed her the What is a Woman documentary. And we watched some, uh, a couple little news things on like CNBC mm-hmm. and it just like red pilled her so <laughs> hard. Yeah. Right. So I feel like, uh, mainstream wise, like it's hard to, you know, if someone comes up and you're like, I'm a libertarian, try to pitch it to him. It's much harder than pitching one of the mainstream political parties oh, that are, right. that, that already have, have their roots down. You know, like what are the chances of libertarians winning a presidential election? It's kind of rigged against you guys. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad because, um, right now. Um, the Libertarian Party itself is going through all sorts of shakeups, and the there were like a lot of woke libertarians that you would basically just consider Democrats who like a little bit more freedom. They're kind of going by the wayside, and they're kind of removing themselves from the party, and it's being taken over by more of like the Ron Paul kind of type libertarians. Ron yeah, Paul, Dave Harry Smith. Brown, Dave Smith. Correct. I love Dave Smith. Yes, yes. Uh, Dave Smith, Maj Ture. Um, guys like them are kind of taking over and moving into the party. And really what needs to happen is that that kind of voice needs to get out there to let people know, like, there's another way. It doesn't have to be one of these two binaries. And not that I necessarily think that you have to have an electoral win, but to get the ideas out there and Mm -hmm. to put the expectations in people's minds that, like, the, the... Overton window should be shifted more of a freedom direction. So I don't know if you've kept up with the governor debates, but um, my friend, actually, Shane Hazel, who's been on this show twice, he was in the debates in Georgia. And hearing him take such a principled freedom stance where he went after both governors, he criticized Brian Kemp in Georgia for locking down the state, and he criticized Stacey Abrams for being bad on gun control. To have that kind of voice up there and like him lead the charge to say, this is what all politicians should aspire to, the maximum amount of freedom that we can give to people. And obviously the tail end of that freedom is responsibility as well. Um, 
to put that in front of people and to lay that as the expectation going forward, I think is incredibly important because then people will know like, this is bullshit what you're selling on. It shouldn't be, well, I'm going to take a principled stand and say that we won't teach fourth graders about transgender mm-hmm. ideology. How about we, we say, we get rid of the schooling system that we have and we lay the expectation that like teachers should be fighting to be the best teacher for your kids and Mm -hmm. your governor should fight for your right to carry whatever you want to carry when it comes to firearms you should have the right to defend yourself and to just kind of lay that expectation for voters i think is what's necessary going forward so that way people reject the ideas that it just has to be one or the other that um politicians should really be beholden to the people not people beholden to politicians like we have now well that's uh I would say the issue that I had with, um, you know, like what, what made me really dislike like liberals besides a lot of the terrible ideology <laughs> was that they had a monopoly on what you could say. Exactly. Right. And so to your point, you said, you know, it's good to have that point of view. Mm-hmm. It really is because the best way is put, if there's fucking 20 parties, put every party's ideas up mm-hmm. and then let, you know, think about them critically look and the best ones you know the cream rises to the top yeah right i felt like these last couple years we weren't getting you we weren't evenly getting all the ideas right right so i think that but here but here's the thing too i was gonna say you have all the information you can make an educated decision that's what i try to do but the majority of people don't have the time don't care all they're trying to do is put food on the table for their family all they're trying to do is pay their bills they're going to work maybe they're they want to watch sunday football you know most people just don't care enough. And by the time you do start caring, right? Because when you're young, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of young, college-educated, indoctrinated liberals. Susceptible minds that yeah, yeah. taught this ideology and they're told you have to vote this way. Yeah, and like, you know, and I think once you get older, because who knows, maybe when I was in college, I might have been the, the same way, like kind of get indoctrinated, swept up in it all. Who knows? It's hard to say. I'm not saying I'm not susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. But I've just found the older I get, the more conservative i become in a lot of ways just because i'm almost like a if it ain't broke don't fix it type of guy and i think Mm -hmm. there's all you should always be making steps towards progress but um like you said that overton window you got that sliding scale and it just i feel like right now we are the scale has slid all the way over and it's just as goofy as it can be right and i'm almost looking forward to that swing back yeah no i don't fault people at all for feeling that way because it is so ridiculous but like I said, the, the goal of libertarians right now is to say, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. We want to cool everything off and we want to be able to decentralize and take all the power out of the hands of the government. Now, once again, how that happens, I have no idea. And there's a lot of people that advocate for the Republican Party doing this same kind of thing. And I'm not against that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just the question as to whether or not when they get in, if they're actually going to do that or if they're going to say, hey, we should just keep spending and keep going to war and stuff like that. But um, like I said, I I do think that most people in the country really agree with what we're saying here. And it's so bizarre to me that um, it's that the stuff that we're kind of talking about is so propped up where I know um, I think that's the problem is that you do have this liberal bias in social Mm -hmm. media companies. And it really does shape the way that we see our reality, the way their algorithms work against um, certain content. Mm -hmm. And even when it came to stuff about you know, the virus in 2020, Mm -hmm. um, your reality was completely shaped by the way that your feed was laid out. Mm -hmm. And, um, the one thing I kind of wanted to hit on was, um, my fiance, same as, um, your girlfriend was very apolitical, but in 2020, when they were telling her that you had to get this certain treatment Mm -hmm. at her job, she was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, right. 
and she's an EMT now. And she says, Oh, I can't go back to that job because they, they no longer require it, but Mm -hmm. it was at one point, but you know, you couldn't even, I can't say it right now on YouTube because they may take this video down for medical misinformation. I've had like Mm -hmm. three or four videos pulled because of it. You can't just ask questions about, Hey, what is this treatment? Because if you look at the data, it's pretty clear people (laughs) like you and me who stayed physically fit, Mm -hmm. we're not at risk. And then if you question the election that happened two years ago, or if you say a certain phrase, they'll pull the video down. Like, what is this doing to the way that we just think? It's not just about the way we talk, it's the way that we think. Because what we're doing right now, we're bouncing ideas off each other, and then we're going to think about what we're going to say next. Mm -hmm. So I can't just say to you anything about the 2020 election because they'll take the video down. So what does that do to a populace? Real quick, hold that thought. Let me pee. I'll be right back. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had to pause the recording for a little emergency there yeah i was uh, too much coffee my like literally that was i was i was i haven't had to pee that bad in a very long time but yeah, yeah the um you were speaking on uh the public discourse and not being allowed to say certain things mm-hmm. that i think is what we're seeing on twitter right now i mean you got to think um i had strong feelings about the pope i didn't like i, I wanted to get on and like try to tell people look like you don't have any reason to be as scared as you are. If you're in this certain age group, you're not this, you keep yourself healthy. This is basically going to be nothing. Right. I mean, I had it twice and it wow. was, I've been way sicker, way more times in my life. Yeah. I mean, cause I didn't stop doing, I mean, my life did not change. Mm. I didn't try to not go places. I had parties. I had people over. I didn't see a pandemic. For me, like my life didn't change. All like all my friends got COVID. Everybody was fine. Everybody goes to the gym. I don't know any one person other than some people back in my hometown that already had pretty bad health conditions that had a that died from COVID. And even then, you don't even know if the numbers are accurate. Right. Who knows? Like a COVID, you could slap that label on everything. There was that story of that guy that was on like a maybe it was like a motorcycle accident, but he just so happened to have. And they were they're counting all that stuff. Yeah. Which is like maybe it's hard to differentiate, but like that running death counter. On CNN, the fear mongering that we had. Right. What makes, and what makes people more sick? What hurts your immune system more than being scared and stressed? All that cortisol. Mm-hmm. There was never any messaging about, let's get up. Let's move in the gym. Let's eat a little better. Let's lose some weight. Nothing about that. It was take this miracle that's going to make all these people billionaires. You know. And now we're kind of seeing the other side of that where we're starting to see the, the problems that are arising. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did not do that. Yeah. I'm so glad I had looked through research papers and my fiance has factor five. And there was actually a research study published on people with factor five and what that could do if they were to get said treatment. And, um, it it was so strange because we both had it. Right. I mean, it wasn't even like a thing for me. I felt a little under the weather for like a few days. I'm like, I probably just didn't sleep good. And all of a sudden I lost my taste and smell. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I, I got it now. So um, we carried on life as normal. And it's funny because I played a show that weekend out in actually probably around where you were from. There's a place called the King of Clubs in Columbus. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We played there. It was a sold out show. Guess what? Nobody got sick. Yeah. (laughs) I, I was drinking alcohol. I was having a good time. And even at my work, everybody had, you know, COVID already, or they'd been vaccinated. So I'm like, why should I stay home? Why? Mm-hmm. literally there's no i'm healthy and all the literature says if you are not like incredibly sick you don't generate a high viral load if you don't generate a high viral load you can't spread it because there's no shedding so mm-hmm. 
why should I stop living my everyday life? Why should I completely upheave and take a week off of getting paid for, for something that I'm not even feeling bad about at all? And just the fact that they literally wanted you to believe that someone that's, you know, three times my age, that's three times my weight, is at the same risk as I am? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so mind boggling that you can't just speak the truth about it. Well, like we said, it's uh, just kind of comes back to common sense. Mm-hmm. I look at all the data. I'm seeing the death rates. I'm seeing everything. You're seeing the people that they would interview on the news. Every now and again, you'd get like that news piece. Like she was a mother at three and then COVID had her in the hospital. And you would look, it would cut to her and she's just like a behemoth. <laughs> and, and, but, but you're just like, you know, and, but you're just like, you know, it could happen to anyone. I'm like, well, that's, that's not it. Anyone, <laughs> you know, and, but it was, uh, you know, and maybe that's why I lean so much more you know it's 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 not even that i'm conservative i'm just almost like anti-liberal if that makes sense no no, i don't blame you for it at all though like i watched these uh like what was it the other day i watched that it was a senate hearing or something like that and they had uh that lady on i think she was the oh she's something high up with with women and he brought up like um can you answer um you said people that birthing people you mean women right you know, I think it was like Senator Hawley or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, sir, this line of questioning is transphobic. I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. So it's, it's just, I, I see this stuff and I'm just like common, like so much of this stuff is common sense. And when common sense is no longer common and you want me to try to believe all this other stuff. And then when it comes to, like I said, was going back to on my channel, there was things I wanted to tell people about, like, I remember making a post right when it started. And I said, Hey, like, you know, the biggest risk factors for this or obesity, this and that, we should worry on our diets and stuff. Instagram post. I had so many comments being like, this is harmful. This is not good. You need to, da, da, da. you're hurting people by doing this. And it's just like the way that we shit. And then you mention it moving forward, your post gets tagged. It might yeah. get taken down misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like it makes everybody scared to speak yeah. it, on, on one side, the other mm-hmm. side can speak. And say all the all the narratives, all the media spin. You can say all that stuff. Fine, no one will bat an eye. Mm-hmm. The second you say maybe it isn't a good idea to, with a, an experimental pr- procedure, experimental uh, ther- therapeutic, to put in your body when you don't have really big risk factors. But saying that you were anti, you know, you were all the stuff. Yeah. I'm scared I'm going to get get the video flag. I don't want to say any of the, the magic words, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know, you're considered anti this, racist, all this stuff, and that was uh. And what really blew my mind was in the middle of the George Floyd riots when you the had uh, George. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when you see, uh, when you see, you know, it's totally like, we got to stay inside. We can't spread this virus, whatever, mm. but we can riot and burn shit down and get <laughs> thousands of people deep in crowds. And that's not a problem. That's okay. But yeah, you know, me inviting people over for Thanksgiving is not okay. Yeah, you're supposed to open up all your windows and wear a mask inside with your own family. But I'm pretty sure, I can't remember who it was, but somebody at one point said it's okay to go out and protest because um, racial yep. injustice is that big of a deal. And yep. like, look, they're absolutely racist. And you could definitely make arguments where there are issues for different people of different races and systemic disadvantages for certain people. But like, the fact that they literally tried to pull the wool over everybody's eyes mm-hmm. and tell them like, you can go out and do this for this. But like, if you just want to go see your family, your grandma killer, it, it, 
like I said, up is down, down is up. Yep. It's literally inverting reality. And it's literally shaping our dialogue in a way that we're only allowed to speak in this, you know, one, in this very small card of allowable opinion. And then all, everything else is just off limits. And, you know, what does this do to a populace down the road? Because it's literally shaping everything to the way that one certain side would want mm-hmm. things. And you can't ever get out of it because you get depersoned. Like there's mm-hmm. a um, anti-war activist, his name's Ryan Dawson, and he's completely depersoned for speaking out against a certain government over in the Middle East who literally shapes the way that we speak about things in this country. Um, he is, like I said, completely depersoned, can't get on Twitter, Facebook, PayPal, you name it, cannot do anything Wow, because he speaks out against you know, the military industrial complex. So what, you know, how are you supposed to get out and advocate for certain things if you literally cannot because they deperson you? It's, it's fucked. I mean, <laughs> it's I fucked. mean, so, so, so being a YouTuber and being around a bunch of other people that um do a lot of big business, you know, I mean, we're on all these, uh, I don't want to name drop anybody, but like big clothing companies, big supplement companies, I rub shoulders with a lot of people down here. Yeah. We all think the same. They think the same way I do. We all think the same. We all think all this was bullshit. We all think. But no one said anything because you're terrified. My entire livelihood is online. Yeah. Like what happens if I say the wrong thing? Boom, YouTube's deleted. Boom, You know what I mean? All my stuff goes away. Like they take away my ability to process payments. Mm-hmm. Like I saw what uh, happened to Andrew Tate got completely deleted. And then, um, you know, what's happened to the Kanye now? Although, you know, I, I get where some people are coming from. But like Kanye kind of just speaks from the hip. I don't think he was calling for violence or anything like that. No, he never was. Exactly. But it's crazy to see the mobilization. Like the entire establishment go against him. I mean, his net worth. The establishment. Yeah. Yeah. His net worth dropped from a billion down to like 400 million. Still a shit ton of money. But like he got removed from the Forbes list. All of his deals are cut. They're talking about dropping his music from Apple Music, Spotify, like. They're taking everything from him when what he's saying, if you really listen to it, right? If you take away any of the anti-Semitic, I I don't feel like it was anti-Semitic. I think he's just pointing something out, like a pattern he's recognized. If you look, there's a a massive percentage of the CEOs of these music companies, of a lot of these people that are of the Jewish faith. Does that mean there's a cabal that's pressing down and, uh, you know, controlling everybody? No, but it could just be a pattern. Yeah, they're just, just maybe they're just really good at business. They're business minded. They own these businesses, and he's just had a you know pattern recognition. You know, if you walk down a certain street, you know, ten times and six of those times you get jumped, you're going to quit walking down that street because you recognize a pattern. If he's right. saying he goes into business with people, and you know, and I think I bet you Kanye's hard to work with. I guarantee it. <laughs> probably, he'd probably he'd probably upset you, and you'd want to get rid of him right away. He'd probably do a bunch of stuff publicly you would hate. So I'm not knocking them for doing it, yeah. but if you notice a pattern, you speak on it, which seems like what he did. You know, I listened to some of this stuff. I listened to uh, a little bit of his Piers Morgan interview. I've listened to a decent little amount of stuff. And, uh, you know, Kanye can be a little crazy. He can be off his meds. But for this, I mean, they just, I mean. Nuked him. Nuked yeah. completely. And then that was the same thing with, uh, I don't know if you were an Andrew Tate fan or not. I, I like knew who he was, but didn't pay okay. too much attention. But I, I noticed the same thing. Yeah, I found him very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Very entertaining. He was super yeah. funny. Now, he, he said some stuff that's definitely... Some people might call it misogynistic, might call it whatever. A lot of it for me, I call just, it based. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. know, a, a lot of it was uh, made under like with a comedic undertone to it. So he was yeah. actually pretty funny. He had me yeah. laughing quite a bit. Right. But really, in general, to me, a lot of his uh, message was just male empowerment in a lot of ways. Right. Like getting which people, you, which you don't see anymore, and, and that's no. I think a large issue. And it's so fucked up because someone like Kanye. 
you can recognize what he's saying and see the same trends. But if you really want to make people believe it, deperson them, right? Because mm-hmm. now all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, he must be hitting on something if you're going to completely deperson him. Whereas mm-hmm. if you actually want to like, you know, take away from what he's saying or like discredit him, then just allow him to speak and then have people say like, hey, no, this is dumb or give her, give a counter argument. But if you just completely deperson him, mm-hmm. then everybody's going to be like, oh, well, look, there's a lot of smoke over there. So let's go see if there's fire. Same deal with Andrew yep. Tate. Same deal with Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones has said some really fucking retarded stuff. Oh, yeah. But though, when you completely deperson him, people are like, he must have been doing something if everybody is in uniform lockstep against him. Mm-hmm. Like, and you could definitely make a credible case to say like, look, he has such a large platform and he was continually pressing against the Sandy Hook families and say like, okay, well, something should happen. But though, like when you're seeing like trillion dollars against him, like this is completely out of what's acceptable. Like you guys are just going after him because he said some stuff that you don't like. And because he's at the center of the regime, that's mm-hmm. all there is to it. It's not because he was a piece of shit for harassing families and encouraging people and telling lies. It's not that it's because he disagreed with a lot of the stuff that was being peddled. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I think when you have such a large voice, you know, like, so Alex Jones, I knew about him forever. Yeah. I've always known about Alex Jones, a conspiracy theorist. Then he would get on Rogan. And you'd hear him. And it was to me, I'm never listening to that and going, I'm taking everything this man says at a hundred percent, you know, truth. In fact, it was entertaining, like so entertaining. All right. The Sandy Hook stuff was messed up on his part. I do agree. I I followed it. You know, those parents, things like that. Like he was really swept up in the truth. stuff. I get it. And I think, you know, there should be some punishment there, Right. but to remove him from every single, like, once again, depersoning him, how do you, you know, how many people that made believers of, Depersoning him, same thing with Andrew Tate, same thing with exactly. Kanye. Make some believers. If you really want, like in a marketplace of free ideas, there should be able to put your ideas out. If your ideas suck, they will die under scrutiny. And I do believe that is a huge part of, yeah. And I think that's a huge part of this whole, uh, like one another issue I have with liberals is they're cool telling you what they believe. They're mm-hmm. cool telling you what their ideology is, but they don't, they don't have dialogue. Like, right. you know, I follow, um, like uh, multiple people that are on the conservative side and they're always saying, we invite them on our shows. We, we yep. do this, we do that. They will not come on. Mm-hmm. And I watched that in the, what is a woman documentary? As soon as he gave them the minest bit, the, the most minor bit of pushback or asked them any type of question, they got a little tough. These people wanted to end the interview. He was being transphobic, like all this stuff. It's like mm-hmm. bad ideas die under scrutiny. So what's better? Do we, have all the ideas out there. And then you let like the public consciousness, like sift through the bad ones. You know, I mean, I, I do think there's a line, like I do not like censorship, but I do think there's a line. If someone's on there dropping the N word and doing this or calling for violence against another group or yeah. actual legitimate hate speech, legitimate, like, yes, remove them completely. But I think like we've gotten real loose with what that stuff even is. Like people exactly. getting banned, like, like typing a man can never be a woman. Boom. Permanently banned from Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like, but that's, that's, I mean, to half the, well, more than half, obviously, but, you know, to the majority of the population, that is a fact. To this small percentage, <laughs> to this small percentage of people that believe this goofy shit, and we're, and we're censoring the majority and elevating the minority. And I've always wondered that. I'm always walking through life. And I'm like, people can't be this crazy. 60,000 likes on a, on a tweet about some goofy gender ideology stuff. And I go, that's insane. Mm-hmm. How do, how, how, 
mental gymnastics. What when I was young, would I have fallen into this loft step? Would I have? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh so crazy to see. And I think I'm not sure how optimistic you are for the future of the country. I will say after Elon Musk buying Twitter and just kind of seeing some of this stuff happen. I mean, I'm, now you're watching Biden getting fact checked. Hillary Clinton got fact checked yesterday. Yeah. So it's like to see it swing the other way. It almost feels like it's almost like I just got so used to it being so rigged that now that I'm seeing it the other way, I go, huh, maybe there is hope. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Yeah. Like Elon buying Twitter, I think, is a huge, massive step forward in just. Mm -hmm. The public discourse because Twitter is so liberal with all yeah. the rule sets and everything. It's like yeah. switching it over, even to just be even. It's not gonna be conservative. Yeah. Like it's not even that I want because I think about it. I go, all right, if we could snap my fingers and then it was all just conservative. It was the opposite. So like you know, the conservatives controlled Twitter and it was all just you know, you couldn't talk about that stuff. We get banned. I wouldn't even want that. Right. I just want it to be fair. Yeah. And that's been a huge thing. Like even you know, pushing back. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on. Uh, I know we can't talk about a lot of it on uh, YouTube once again. I don't know what your thoughts are on the uh, 2020 election, mm -hmm. but I can't say I'm a hundred percent. I mean, I'm not Mr. Like, yes, it was definitely taken. I'm not that guy, but like, I have some questions. Yeah. But you're not and allowed that, to ask those questions. There we go. I was going to say, but I'm not allowed to. And in the beginning when people were like investigating it, I remember their videos were getting pulled from YouTube. I remember a uh, Crowder was sending uh, people to addresses mm -hmm. of people that, uh, yep. I looked at those addresses. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And he's pulling up under underpasses and empty lots. Yeah. You know, and people um, just really goofy stuff. And it's like, okay, like, you know, was there enough to sway it? I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend to know. Whatever. I'm kind of erring more towards the side. Maybe not. But I'm more like a 60-40. I'm like, something could have happened. There right. was some goofy. I went to bed that night and everything was looking real good. Yeah. Woke up the next morning and things had changed. Yeah. So I'm of the mind that... How do I say this without getting the video pulled? Um, when you look at the Hunter Biden laptop story being mm -hmm. purposely suppressed, and then as we've kind of been laying out here, um, the way that we get social media fed to us is so biased one way that definitely will shape people's perceptions of what's what there is. Um, I personally don't think there was enough fraud with people putting in their votes to, yes, put, yes, it, yes. to, to gotcha. put it a certain way i don't I think that that swung it but i do believe people's perceptions were shaped to, to change one that's where i'm at 100 there was that uh there was that article was it in the new york times it was in yeah. a really big publication that came out afterwards and it literally talked about like that being the reason that the election shifted was all the social media pressure how much of a role big tech played Yep, And I'm probably erring more on that side. Like maybe it wasn't blatant fraud. Maybe it wasn't just absolute blatant. Like here's some extra ballots type thing. Yeah. But it was definitely rigged. It's perception. Definitely rigged yep. because yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that laptop would have been a key issue for a lot of people seeing mm -hmm. that.
would have been huge. The rumors of, you know, uh, what was it? He was on the Burisma Energy Board in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Well, you could talk about that free and fair now, thankfully. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it was literally he used his father's name to get onto a board, making a no-show job, making, you know, five figures a month. Like, yeah. what the hell is that? Yeah. And it's so bizarre to me that literally in a country of 330 million people that at one point had shifted the entire, it changed the course of civilization. This country in the last 200 years changed the way that we view civilization today. Mm-hmm. And now we literally have to pick between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, you yeah. know, but one dude sniffing children, the other dudes involved with Epstein and, mm-hmm. you know, just all the ridiculousness between these two people. And like this, these are the best two people we could prop up. It's, insane to me that this is what you know you're forced to choose from and you can't talk about some of the shit that actually went on in that election like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like we've been laying out dude it's fucking clown world i dude i'm every day i wake up and it's uh i see something new on twitter i see something new on youtube i see something crazy and i just i can't wait to tell my girlfriend guess what they're doing today <laughs> we just like shake our yeah. heads and it's uh you know we have a lot of talks i wasn't um someone i didn't think much about kids i didn't think much about much of that and i met my girlfriend and definitely in love definitely like you know the, like one of the first times in life where i meet a girl and i'm like oh okay I, we could settle down we could have kids we could do all yeah. that right and uh just the more i think about it we look at each other every day and i'm like hey regardless of how crazy this world gets and all this goofy stuff don't worry if when we have a kid and this new gender ideology stuff is the main thing they want to teach or all like we will homeschool. Like we will, no matter what, we're going to keep our stuff, our values, you know, like I'm going to be the man of the house. You're going to be the woman of the house. We're going to have kids. We're going to teach them and raise them. Right. Mm-hmm. We look at each other and we find solace in that. Cause we just, the world every day seems to be getting crazier. And the people that I respect, like uh, watching the media, liberal media go after Joe Rogan. I have listened to Joe for so many years right. and you know, and you get that no one's perfect. You know, yeah. and you're in a lot of these times, you know, I probably said a couple of things on this podcast that, you know, in retrospect, when I listen back, I'm like, I could have probably phrased that a different way, but we're just yeah. talking, we're just flowing, we're having communication, right? Yeah. It's all Joe was doing. And they decided to, you know, just questioning things. And then they just come down hard on him, tried to paint right. him a million different ways. He got COVID and they took that video on his yeah, Instagram. Yeah, they changed he, the color. Yeah. And filtered it. It's <laughs> like, these people know there's no shame in their game. They will win. They want to win no matter what. Yeah. At the caught like, and then I was at uh, Matt Walsh, the What Is a Woman documentary guy. He was down in Houston, um, and he had a showing his film on college campuses. This was just a couple weeks back. It was the same day as an Anabar launch that we had. So uh, my original goal, I got tickets. I was going to go down. Never been to anything political like that in my life. Yeah, I was like, but I'm just going to go down because I enjoyed the movie. I just kind of want to see what this is all about. Ended up busy launch day. Worked so hard that day that like by the time it came, like I just missed it. I just it was like five o'clock. Couldn't make it down. So I'm on Twitter that night and you look at the people outside protesting like death to Matt Walsh and all this stuff. And you're just looking, you're scanning the crowd and you're just like pink hair, overweight. Like it's just these, these, these people that are falling in lockstep with this ideology. This might sound cruel, but like they seem to have gotten the short end of the stick somewhere. (laughs) No, you're right though. Yeah. And then, and then, but they don't do anything to fix it Mm -hmm. at all. Like I grew up playing video games i was chubby had no muscle i was i was addicted to mmos i've all this shit right and i realized at some point i found people to take me seriously as a man i'm gonna get in the gym gonna work hard be a man of my word all of this stuff right and i was able to make those changes i never grew up thinking i was like you know you have your friends that were like just naturally handsome the women love them that was never me 
I never had trouble getting a girlfriend, but I was never that guy. I was never like, there's like 10 girls to choose from. They all want, you know, never. I had to make myself desirable through hard work. These people don't want to work hard. They want to skip all those steps. Right. They want to be victimized at every turn. Like victim culture has become so prevalent. Like used to be, if you want to succeed in life, get a job, hard work, do all this stuff. Now it's, I don't even want to work. I think the government should pay for everything. Right. I don't want to contribute to society at all. And there's a, I mean, if you're on Reddit and you get on like the anti-work subreddit mm. on oh, there, just no, I, the, I never even knew that was there. Oh, oh anti-work. Oh yeah. But dude, it's, but it's not just there because Reddit's more liberal than Twitter, believe it or not. Yeah. Reddit's Reddit is a cesspool. So luckily I have my home feed, which is like Xbox and video games and some shit I like. And then like, but you go to the popular page. It's literally just liberal propaganda, start to finish. But anti-work is one of the most popular subreddits on Reddit. And it's always on the front page. Like, yeah. my job today demanded I come in. Da, da, da. This is why we're quitting. It's all about, like, not working. And then the person that was a moderator for anti-work went on Fox News and had an interview. And it was the dude that identified as a woman with long hair. Mm-hmm. They were kind of asking him, like, so what do you do for work? He's like, uh, I walk dogs like once a week. It was just like this super pathetic mm. example. Like this is who's leading you guys. And there's the problem is with the internet, there's no, uh, all right. So you take everybody in that fucking subreddit, put them all, I don't know, in a, in a big room or something, if you know what I'm saying. And then the shitty ideas will just die because the strong men, the strong-minded women, they're just going to be like, all right, that's retarded. Yeah. I need to build this house. You got to work. Like we'd all like adapt our gender roles and just get it done. Yeah. On the internet, they're just feeding each other mm-hmm. from home. There's no one around that's strong enough or to set an example. They're just like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just never ending cycle of just, that's what they talk about. The echo chamber is just bullshit feeding, bullshit feeding, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You hear it enough times. You think that it's, these are great ideas. We shouldn't have to work. And you literally believe it. And the entitlement, the entitlement. Whew. Yeah. It, it's, it's sad because like I was kind of laying out a little bit earlier on the opposite end of freedom is responsibility because you have to be responsible for what you do and you have to be responsible for yourself and your own actions. And just this idea that, Oh, I'm entitled to get a check. I'm entitled to a roof over my head. Like much like you, I was a fat kid growing up. I got made fun of, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom and dad split up when I was five years old. My mom had cancer plenty of times. I took care of her, you know, life isn't fucking fair, but guess what? I worked my ass off i've been a mechanic for 10 years busted my knuckles you know sometimes came home with you know a half of what i would normally make on some days but you know what sometimes you get kicked in the teeth sometimes you get to sit down for a nice steak dinner it's Mm -hmm. not always the same man isn't equal to himself on a different day you know so it's not always equal and a lot of these people really do believe that it should always be equal and that they shouldn't have to put in the work and put in the time and put in the effort it's literally the mental and physical manifestation of body positivity where no matter what you should be accepted as beautiful and you're fine the way you are but when you're in that kind of shape that's one of the worst things you could tell somebody is that you're fine the way you are because they know they're not we know they're not but people just want to tell them no you're okay the way you are and you don't need to change at all well no maybe you do need to change maybe you do need to improve a little bit but at what point did uh, everybody's like we take into way too much consideration everybody's feelings all right I remember when I was a kid, um, well, not a kid. I might've been 20, 21 at the time, but I remember I was super addicted to an MMORPG, super addicted. I was playing like my, my life was eat, sleep, video games, 
to the point where like go to work, sell the cell phones, leave, stop, get a pizza on the way home, a sub, go and just sit and just play. Days off from the morning till night, I just played the MMORPG. All my friends were on there, just addicted to this computer game. My mom came over. She had visited, and I think uh, we were out. What was she helping me do? We are setting up an outside. Uh, she had gotten me a some chairs for outside or something with like an umbrella that went over them. Mm. We're outside setting them up. I had no idea that I'd, I mean, I knew I'd gained some weight, but I re- really didn't know. My mom looks at me. She goes, you're getting fat. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that bothered me so yeah. bad that I went in. I remember I started, uh, I was still playing the video games, doing everything. Didn't go to the gym, but I was like, all right, now I'm going to try to just eat healthier. I would go to Subway and get like grilled chicken sub, take the top bun off. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was just like just consciously trying to eat better because I was shamed in a way from my mom. It made me feel bad and I had to fix it. That is a crucial part of life, getting shamed. If, you, yeah. if you're fucking up somewhere, like, here's the thing. If you're a racist and you walk into a room and you just start dropping racial epithets, whatever they're called, and then everybody around goes, whoa, what are you doing? You're a piece of shit. You feel bad. Right. Boom, you're not going to do it anymore, mm-hmm. right? We're missing that crucial element. Now when someone gets big, it's not that we have to harass people, not that we have to do anything like that, but hey, you know, it's not really that healthy, right? Come on, you can do better. Instead of, oh, you're beautiful at any size, you're good. And these fat acceptance movements and all this shit. Not only is that a massive drain on society, the medical system, healthcare, everything like that, but it's just a terrible example for for the future, for the for children. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing good about being fat. You can't look me in the eyes and tell me your life is as good fat as it would be if you were not even going to be in shape, yeah. just, just, you know, an average weight. And if you, these people pit like preaching this body positivity, all this shit, if you gave them a choice, you said, Hey, snap your finger. You can have my body. They would all do it in a heartbeat. Right. So it's almost like, uh, I always say this that one of the worst things you can do as a person is lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself at all times. You have to, if you're fucking up and you're trying to make excuses for yourself in your brain, like, no, this is fine. They said it was good. This is that. And deep down, you know, you know the truth, but you're lying to yourself. It's one of the worst things you can do. I think as a society, we're doing so much of that right now. I think accountability, being honest with yourself, and just having some discipline, those are huge. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we're, uh, we're, missing, we're missing a lot of that in today's society. And we're making excuses for it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And we really should kind of have this more focus on culturally shaming people and i'm not saying like you need to make people miserable but when people are fucking up let them know they're fucking up because you care right like Mm -hmm. your mom said hey you're getting fat but it it wasn't because she thinks you're a piece of shit she cares about you and she doesn't Mm -hmm. want you to be obese that's all and that's what i really think we need to bring back is more of a focus on cultural um norms around trying to encourage people to be better people rather than trying to use the government to fix this it mm-hmm. should be you know we collectively as communities and family members friends churches whatever um we encourage each other to be a little bit better rather than trying to encourage you know body positivity or shit mm-hmm. like this because like i said it doesn't have to be you make people feel like shit or you treat people any kind of way you just encourage people to be a little bit better and you can help them along the way i'm sure you have done this just as much as i have where you know people they come up to you and ask for like a fitness program and they think you're just going to lay out you know the 10 commandments but you just say hey Maybe increase your protein a little bit, yeah. try and walk, try to exercise. And then, you know, if you do that, then we can start moving on to maybe focusing on compound lifts and stuff like that. But we'll just get you a little bit better than you are today. Well, I will say as a man, not much feels better than setting a goal and accomplishing it. Absolutely. 
And I think, uh, you know, I heard this thing. I think Joe Rogan even said it, but he said uh, the hardest thing you've ever been through is still just the hardest thing you've ever been through. Right. So we look at a lot of these helicopter parented children nowadays, like that are trans and like it literally ruins their entire day if they're misgendered. Right. It's, it's like you stabbed them in the stomach because they haven't been through anything hard. And I think one of the best things you can do, especially as a man, is to put yourself in situations where you are nervous, where you are scared, where shit is hard. Mm -hmm. You have to cultivate some discipline because what literally changed my life was the first time before I started YouTube or anything, the first time I got into fitness and I got a meal plan, I said, I'm going to follow this strictly for like eight weeks. I did it. Never had abs like my entire life. Finally had abs. Finally yeah. felt good. And I realized a little bit of discipline, a little bit of planning can complete. I, I thought I would never have abs mm -hmm. ever. I was like, I'm just not one of those people. It's just something you're born with. You're not. And I had abs. Now you just realize like, with the right amount of discipline, the right amount of time, you know, every action creates an equal and opposite reaction. You take the right actions, right? You're going to get the right reactions. And that's really what blew my mind. That's why I'm like, oh, YouTube can't be that hard. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. And at the end of the day, it's really just a matter of doing it. Like I started boxing at the beginning of this year, um, got into it. And then I got a coach uh, in like eight, March, April, started working with him. And one of the most scary things was going down and sparring. As a brand new, you know, brand new guy, older than everybody, you know, a lot, a lot of 20 somethings that have been boxing for years. I'm brand new. And to go down there, put on gloves and just start throwing punches with other people. Scary. When I first went down there, I was, you know, you're nervous, but there was no better feeling than when I faced my fear, got in there, got a few lumps, gave a few lumps, got out of it. And I was like, wow, that was something that a bunch of people would never even consider doing. I went down and I did it. I accomplished something. I feel incredible. I think we're missing that. We're missing the idea of go out, conquer something, whether that's a job, some hard work, or setting a goal for yourself, and seeing the natural drug of achievement and success, what that does for your brain. I think I think I think we're we're missing that as a society. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, dude, I've kept you for almost two hours now, so yeah. uh, I got a couple questions to ask you, and then we'll uh, rock okay. and roll on out of here. Deal. Um, what does liberty look like to you? What does liberty look like to me? So if we're redefining liberty as freedom? Um, just whatever you see it as. Okay. Liberty looks, looks like to me, liberty looks like a world where we can all express our opinions without fear of being depersoned, deplatformed. We can all exchange in the marketplace of free ideas evenly. Mm -hmm. right? Liberty to me is not forcing me to do anything. I, I guess smaller government. I would say uh, no lockdowns, no weird mandates. Liberty to me looks like me being able to raise a family, do what I want to do, not worried about people forcing bad ideas on my children, not uh, making them, yeah, like grooming them in essence, um, being able to run my business and not get taxed all the way to the moon. Mm -hmm. That looks like liberty to me. Um, really, but I think the most important thing at this juncture is just being able to speak freely. I mean, we're censoring ourselves in this conversation. Yep. To be able to speak freely and not be, uh, yeah, and not be deplatformed, depersoned, or uh, called an ist or whatever, you know, I would say that's liberty to me. Free nice. speech. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I like that definition a lot. Um, what does health look like to you? Health. Health, health to me, I think, is a perfect balance of mental health and physical health. Because a lot of people talk about physical health. I mean, I know some people that are shredded that don't, that like mentally, like they're so unhealthy because they hyper fixated on being shredded. They're lean. They're not really enjoying themselves. They live out of Tupperware containers and they're just really not that happy. I think health to me 
is being happy with yourself, being happy where you're at in life, being content, waking up every day and knowing that you kind of live in your purpose, um, being happy with where you're at in life. But also too, I don't think your brain can be healthy if your body's not at least somewhat healthy. I don't think you need to be shredded by any means, but I think, you know, moving some weights around is good. Getting some activities good. 10,000 steps a day is good. Not overeating and sugars and a bunch of crazy inflammatory stuff is good. Um, yeah, I, th I think health is a perfect balance. Like move a little bit, you know, give yourself some free, free thought, like actually think for yourself a little bit. Like if you're somewhere on like a political idea or something and you're like, like, let's use abortion for an example. That is an extremely hard thing to have a conversation about because it's such a gray area, right? But to be completely pro or completely against completely without any questions or doing any research or really thinking about it, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, health to me is being you know, physically active. You can move. You should be able to jog down the block and not be so out of breath. It's going to ruin you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that, but also a combination of giving your brain a good diet, mm -hmm. staying off social media, um, at least not being obsessed with social media, understanding what it is, understanding the impacts that it's having on you when you consume too much of it. And um, just finding balance. I think that uh, we're also plugged in now that, you know, one thing, I'm not on my phone much. So one thing I think you can do is uh, use the phone for what it is, a tool, but understand that like the real world, when you turn all this shit off, it's pretty good out there. People are yeah. pretty good. Go see it, have fun, go on adventures. You know, you only live once. So yeah, you might, you might as well treat your meat vehicle like you would treat a Mercedes Benz yet parked outside. Keep it washed, polish it, you know, <laughs> all that shit. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So, uh, Rem, where can everybody find you, dude? You can find me on YouTube at Remington James. You type that in. I'll pop right up. I'm on Instagram at the Remington James. I'm on Twitter at Remington JV. Um, uh, RemingtonJamesFitness.com is my website. You can always go to theanabar.com and use code RJF10. You'll save money and you'll be getting the best tasting protein bar on this planet. But if you just Google Remington James, I'll pop up. You won't have any trouble finding me. There's not many of me. <laughs> hell yeah dude well i really really appreciate you coming on and giving me uh all your time this was uh awesome i can't wait to share it with everybody so um if you don't got anything else to add dude we'll close her out yeah i think i'm good man yeah maybe we'll give it a little bit of time and then we can uh pop back in after maybe after the elections or something give it a couple months <laughs> something like that we can kind of do a state of the world since everybody's already kind of <laughs> met me we can get back on and just talk about because i love talking shop so oh yeah dude hell yeah you're welcome on anytime so uh all right um thanks everybody for listening make sure you like subscribe and share and until next time take care Later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.